I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of January, 2023, and we don't really have a theme this month. Uh, However, so far this month, uh, we seem to be covering 2022 releases, so uh, you may as well call this month uh, Catching Up on 2022. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, uh, funny enough, despite me probably being the person with uh, the greater emotional connection to the property, um, Kyle... Uh, took it upon himself to make the pick this week. And uh, Kyle, would you care to introduce uh, the film that we'll be reviewing today? Yes, we are going to be covering Top Gun Maverick from, like, 2019. Uh, Whenever this (laughs) thing was fucking shot and was supposed to be released. Uh, uh, This is the, uh, not a legacy sequel, but this is the follow-up to the 1986 Top Gun movie? Correct. Yes. Uh, The first one was directed by... uh, not Bond Scott. That's fucking ACDC. Uh, the other, the other Scott. Uh, <laughs> Tony uh, Scott. Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, and this one is uh, directed by some guy in a gimp suit that's owned by Tom Cruise, from what I understand. Uh, but yeah, I chose it because one, my wife wanted to watch it, and I was able to have some drinks while I watched it. So I'm like, yeah, that's a good way to do it. Uh, and I, I figured that you had already seen it opening weekend, but I was wrong. And somehow, I beat you to this one. Yeah, uh, that's why I preface things by saying, despite me probably being the person who actually gives a shit about this, quote, franchise, it's now a franchise, um, Kyle made the pick uh, largely because, like he said, he he watched this long before I did. Um, For whatever reason, I didn't end up going out to the theater for this one. I only saw this just yesterday. Um, which makes me the shittiest Top Gun fan ever, because yeah. as it so happens, I am a fan of Top Gun. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle. You're not so much a Top Gun fan, is that right? Yeah, no, that thing can uh, it can just suck it. Yeah, you can ha- you can have that, buddy. That is all you. <laughs> so so it can suck it. Like like it got two words for you. It it's. It nothing about it. The fucking pe- dude. People singing in an establishment. When you're not supposed to be, it, it just immediately just... Whether it's in a movie or in real life, you'll lose me. And, oh, this movie's got it too, don't worry. <laughs> so, folks, just to just to be fully transparent, Kyle has tended bar, and uh, Kyle has worked in restaurants and whatnot. And yeah, I'm sure that's a, uh, a particular pet peeve of unwarranted expressions of merriment and joy in the form of singing and commandeering of uh, bar instruments... It's like those aren't yours. Nobody said you could. Nobody said you could play that piano. It's it's there for decoration. We have a guy. He's on payroll. Yeah, it's infuriating. Yeah, no, I just didn't like it. I think I, I saw it way too late in life. Uh, I don't care about airplanes. Uh, I like post Jerry Maguire, Tom Cruise movies. Although I do need to go do a dive into his eighties and earlier nineties stuff. Um, yeah, just nothing about it. I mean, it is worth it to see Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer just being an absolute hot piece of ass in that movie. He is a smoke show, to say the least, in that movie. Yeah, I, I think in terms of uh, ingestion of roids, probably the most CCs uh, went to Rick Rosevich in the original Top Gun. Uh, but, you know, Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise, they both put in their work, you know. Um, 
But I think it's funny, actually, that you say you, you don't care about planes. Yeah. Because for me personally, I... I I, I will pop for jets. Like it, I don't know where it comes from exactly, but I pop for jets. I pop for jets. <laughs> when you see an F-18, you get sprung. All right. I mean, it dude, moved, Kyle. It moved. Dude, I had a I had a buddy of mine who went on a date with a girl, and uh, he uh, we were just like kind of passed her one day, and he's just like, oh yeah, I went on a date with her. I'm like, oh yeah, how'd it go? And he's like, it was fine, but she told me her favorite movie was Stealth, so I'm not going to see her again. <laughs> So. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, I like yeah. you. Don't even have to explain yourself. That makes absolute sense. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no more detail necessary. I understand. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. human being on the planet existed. I don't think I would have told stealth above all else. I don't think I would have told people that. <laughs> no, yeah, maybe keep that under your hat, but. So you don't pop for jets, is that what I'm getting? Yeah, no, I don't pop for jets, uh, or cars, or trains, really. If you, Pretty much any automobile or mode of transportation is like like a sedative to me. I'm just like, oh, God, okay, the fucking cars. Yeah, it's just okay. not for me. It's not for me. It's not, I, I, no, the, I that's under- perfectly fine. <laughs> I, I can get getting I can see getting excited for cars and that kind of action like Fast and the Furious. I get that, but it's just it's just not for me. Well, see, it's funny because we've talked about this before, but I I don't give two shits about cars either. Um, it's just not something. In fact, I'm scared of cars, man. I drive a car, and I hate that thing. I hate cars. Actually, you know <laughs> what? The, the the longer I've known you, it kind of shocks me that you have a car. <laughs> Honestly. Really, I'm not. A, I'm not wired to drive. Like, like I, all of the worst aspects of me as a person come out when I'm behind the wheel. <laughs> you are a very cautious driver. You are a. I've been in the car with you. You are a very courteous and cautious driver. I will give you that. Yeah, and very temperamental when shit goes down on the road. <laughs> I use bad, bad language when I'm in the car. Bad, very, very bad language when I'm in the car. I gave two horns today. You got two, two horns today. I had a quick one, and I gave a long one because they pulled in front of me, and they did not have time to do it. But yeah, two horns today. Did you raise those eyebrows? Give them a stern look while you. If did I could have gotten my window, if I could have gotten my window down quick enough, I would have given them the finger too. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't honk. I just yell real loud, and so if I ever show up on this show sounding like Randy fucking Savage, that's why. Because Trevor had a rough day on the road. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, jets, I make an exception for. Uh, normally, I don't care much for modes of transportation, uh, as Kyle had said. Um, but jets, I make a very big exception. And I think it comes down to the like the speciality of the thing. Is that, like, aside from a spacecraft, like a shuttlecraft or something, as only a specific classification of person is even allowed to touch the thing, really. And, and also it does things that no other vehicles available to people can do. So there's a there's a like a specialness to them that, that other forms of transportation don't possess. Well, on the flip side of that is uh, spaceships. If you give me a good interior of a spaceship or a good interior of an underwater uh, facility, that's like opium for me. Like I'm just like, oh, this is this is where I want to be. Or even a good van. Like I've said it before, a good stakeout van. I can just oof. It just warms my heart. That's the stuff I like. I want to be in something like that. 
I mean, the example I always go to is Enemy of the State. You want to be mm-hmm. hanging out with mm-hmm. Jack Black. You don't want to mm-hmm. be Jack Black. Oh, I don't. Just I would want, rather be Jack Black. You want to be next to Jack Black. <laughs> I would rather be Jack Black than be Seth Green. I can tell you that much. Or Jake Busey, for that matter. <laughs> he, he's he's a runner, dude. He doesn't get to be in the. He's not. He's he one of the guys with the, the frosted tips. He's one yeah. of the guys with the frosted tips and uh, the Look neck that's about twenty five inches in yeah. diameter. Oh, that's Scott Con. <laughs> Scott Con is yeah in his like beefiness prime. His head is wider than his. Uh, his neck is wider than his head. For what sure. he lacks in stature, he makes up for in in, in neck. In neck. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Top Gun, big deal for me. A uh, very, very big deal movie for me and basically my, my household uh, growing up. Um, just to do a little story time um, and allow Kyle some time to go pour his tea. Um, I'm just going to vamp here. Uh, when I was a very, very young kid, uh, my uh, my mom had a cassette tape, an audio cassette tape uh, of the, to- the Top Gun soundtrack. Um, which also included uh, the anthem as you know part of the, the score done by Harold Faltermeyer. But um, she would play it in the basement, uh, which is also where our Nintendo, our NES, was housed. Uh, so I spent a lot of time in the basement in the uh, in the room adjacent to Mom's workout room, and she would, would be blasting that thing every evening. Would you be playing Star Fox while fucking Danger Zone plays? Uh, close, uh, Captain Bucky O'Hare. Uh, okay. Star Fox, I don't think had come out just yet, but I'm pretty sure it, there was some crossover at some point. But you better fucking believe that's what I had in my head whenever I was playing Star Fox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure I was humming that shit when I was like spending the night at friends' houses and uh, playing Star Fox while they were asleep. But yeah, the Top Gun soundtrack in particular was like this. It's a cliche phrase, but the the soundtrack of my life uh, when I was very very young. That and the uh, Transformers the movie uh, soundtrack, which has similar vibes. Honestly, um, funny enough, both from the year 1986, uh, a year before I was even born. Um, but it was kind of through that soundtrack that I ended up being introduced to the movie, and it was it was one of those movies that was really 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 hyped up for me before I ever got around to seeing it because I knew it. As the movie where spoiler alert, Goose dies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, culturally that was very significant. Uh, yeah, Goose dying. Yeah, it was very famous. Yeah, but remember, I was like three, mm-hmm. and I didn't know who or what Goose was. I just knew it dies in the movie Top Gun, and it's a big deal. So for years before I would end up seeing the movie, I, I knew it by reputation, and I knew the soundtrack. So I, I had a lot of hype going in, and then. When I inevitably did get a chance to watch it, it didn't let me down. Uh, and it just so happens that my dad was a, a crew chief on jets in, in Vietnam. Mm. Uh, so jet stuff like like was kind of... We got a lot of stories about that kind of stuff when I was a little kid. Uh, so it was a very important movie to me personally. And, and in it, apparently entire generations of people around the world. Because Top Gun's a big fucking deal to a lot of people. Um. Uh, my dad was actually stationed on the carrier this was filmed. He was there when it was being filmed. Um, and a buddy of mine, uh, who you know very well, was also <laughs> on an aircraft carrier, the same one that they filmed Transformers on. Okay. Yeah. yeah uh, so you you also have some, some funny uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon connections to, this, to these films, plural, uh, as well. Um, 
but yeah point is top gun big deal for me and uh this movie should have been a day one watch for me in the theater but uh as we pointed out at the top of this discussion i didn't actually see it in the theater and goddamn i am kicking myself over it because uh, i watched this on the couch on 4k with the girlfriend um <clears throat> and actually one of our uh kind of early uh, date nights uh, was a top gun viewing i introduced mm. her to that movie so this was a, a fun uh, watch for both of us but the two of us looked at each other and we were like god damn we we kind of fucked up not going to the theater <laughs> like we should have listened to, to, to papa cruz he had the yeah. right idea with this one <laughs> yeah uh, so kyle do you want to get into the film proper uh, yeah we could talk talking about around it after 30 years, Maverick is still pushing the envelope as a top naval a- top naval aviator. A lot of V's there. But must confront ghosts of his past when he leads Top Gun's elite graduates on a mission that demands the ultimate sacrifice from those chosen to fly it. Yeah. That, I mean, I'm assuming that came directly from the IMDb. Mm, yeah, it did. Uh, and also from the IMDb, uh, this was directed by Joseph Kaczynski. Uh, I think he has worked with uh, Thomas Cruise on a few other uh, great, at least one other great movie, Oblivion. I really enjoyed that. Did he do, he didn't do um, the other one that I like, Edge of Tomorrow, uh, which was uh, probably my favorite contemporary Tom Cruise movie. But we got, uh, go ahead. Oh, I think that was Doug Liman. Doug Liman. Uh, Tom Cruise, Jennifer Connelly. Playing Penny, I'm going to ask you about that character. She wasn't. There was no Penny character in the original film, was there? Not to my knowledge, no. Okay, okay. Uh, fucking Miles Teller, uh, Val Kilmer, uh, John Hamm. Remember, I got to talk to you about John Hamm. He does some fun stuff in here, and then a bunch of fucking other people uh, that are in this movie as well. Yeah, uh, I'd say that's a fair assumption when it comes to the rest of the cast. Uh, not not anyone is terrible in this, but there are characters who are brushed to the periphery of the story, for sure, in favor of, of Maverick, who the movie is named after, so it kind of makes sense. I will point out Glenn Powell. He plays Hangman. Uh, we got finished with the movie. I'm like, that Hangman character, he's really good looking, isn't he? She's like, my wife's like, yes, he is very good looking. Like, Damn, yeah. I'm like, I, th- I'm like I, th- I think he's good looking. Yeah, I'm like... He's he's pretty pretty handsome dude. Uh, good villain. He's he's a good oh good little buddy villain. I guess is the best way to put it. Um, yeah, he has he has that. Uh, you know, it, he's he's Johnny from from Karate Kid essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's Iceman, but instead of Iceman just being kind of cold and distant, he is straight up an asshole. Mm-hmm. He's a high school bully. Yeah, uh, essentially. But it's funny you mentioned uh, Glenn Powell because like. My first introduction to him uh, came in the form of The Expendables 3. Wow. Um, and he is, like, completely mistreated in that film. Like, he is brushed aside in the mo- in the most disgraceful manner possible, where there's a big action scene going down. It's the big half-hour action finale, and he's told to climb. Like, like he, he gets a computer strapped to him, and he has to climb an air duct. While everyone else fights and does cool shit. <laughs> so it's well, like, he's in that movie. He does fuck all in that movie, though. Well, I mean, what are they gonna, like, what are they gonna do with him? Like, this is a kid, he's like our age. He's like exactly our age. He's just been watching these dudes. He's like, we're not gonna let him be, this is our movie. We're barely doing this movie because we all have <laughs> egos. You're not getting a role. He's also the traitor who talks to Bane in The Dark Knight Rises. He's like, do you, uh, he's like, what are you guys even doing? Um, he's one of those guys. 
Yeah, I, I caught that looking over his filmography, but also in scanning his filmography, I haven't seen much of anything that he's done, but I will point out that he's worked with, uh, I believe, Richard Linklater uh, a couple of times. Uh, so he's he's in good company uh, when it comes to directors he's associating with. I, I think at least two movies. Um, and funny enough, he uh, he did another uh, <laughs> he did another movie where he's in a plane uh, very recently called Devotion. Uh, it just came out very recently um, with uh, Jonathan Majors. Um, so I guess he's he's a pilot guy. <laughs> like he's do- he's doing lots of piloting movies. Oh. Uh, let's talk about uh, you want to you want to jump into the movie proper to talk about what's happening in the movie. Uh, sure. Uh, I'm gonna lean on you to lead the conversation because okay. obviously it's Top Gun. I'll have plenty to say, but I'm not. I didn't have the opportunity to take any notes uh, as I was watching this with somebody uh so I, I didn't want to be the asshole who's opening his phone constantly while watching a movie that he's actually kind of excited to see um mm-hmm. so if you want to lead this thing i'll, I'll just do color i guess <laughs> all right uh yeah so uh i don't know what we're really i just remember being introduced to tom cruise first uh I, there might be something going on before that i'm not entirely sure uh but he is living in it looks like he has a trailer in an airplane hangar somewhere near uh, Miramar, uh, at least a drivable distance to Miramar in, outside San Diego or somewhere in San Diego. And he gets to work that day, and apparently he has been uh, doing test runs on this super advanced-looking jet. Uh, and it looks like it's very aerodynamic because it is a like the it's like a disc basically. Like there's just there's just not hardly anything to it. And I guess they've been look they've been trying to get to Mach ten. Like that's been that's been the goal. Uh, I don't know how fast that is, but I mean ten sounds pretty pretty fast. I guess for a jet like this, <laughs> it's more than nine. More than nine. <laughs> Um, but he he quickly learns that it's like, hey, uh, the general is shutting down this whole thing, and uh, General Ed Harris, who I thought was going to be in the movie, but is not, which is really disappointing. Um, but uh, Tom Cruise is like, we're going to do it anyway. Obviously, Ma- sorry, Maverick. His call sign's Maverick. Uh, uh, he's like, we're gonna we're gonna do this test anyway, and he's just like, we're we're gonna get in trouble. He's like, no, I didn't hear that. Did you hear that? I didn't hear that. But yeah, he's gonna go for Mach ten. Yeah, yeah. Our our film starts out with uh, revealing where Maverick is mm. in like where he's at at this point in his life. Um, by the way, actually, before we even get to the movie, I, I need to give props uh, to uh, I guess the director. It's actually very hard whenever you're talking about Tom Cruise movies where to attribute uh, things because the man has just like wrested complete and total control over his own destiny through the powers of self-belief as well he should yeah uh zeno has given him great strength and he flexes at every opportunity he can um such that as kyle had had mentioned uh, you do occasionally get the sense well not occasionally pretty much all the time uh as of the past decade or so that uh, he works with a lot of sock puppet directors they they sit in the chair, but they don't actually make the movie. It's more Tom's show, and everybody you, else is just you know here to fluff him. <laughs> do you think on his notepad when he interviews these directors, or when the directors think they're interviewing him, he just has a little note that says, "I can stick my whole hand up this man's ass," and that's what he <laughs> it's what he bases it on. Like I'm going to work with him, little puppet. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that is part of it. It's like 
one there there probably is like some genuine connection and familiarity like if we're not being cynical about but then the other part of it is probably like they seem malleable (laughs) 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 he seems akin to a blob of clay so it's more like it's more like the departed where he's got a hand in a bag and i see you and what can i use you for yeah precisely deep cut but good one um yeah so christopher mcquarrie i believe uh, was primarily a writer um, but these days he's kind of the guy in charge of the mission impossible films has been since part five um and joseph kaczynski as uh, kyle had mentioned had worked together with tom cruise on oblivion um and I, I mean this this is a very 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 well-made movie and actually kaczynski if you look at his filmography um i would actually push back a little bit on the sock puppet aspect of things because this movie he does feel like an appropriate choice for it in some ways because tron legacy uh from a oh, visual he's got two yeah he's i yeah. didn't realize he's got two uh legacy sequels sorry Precisely. So he's familiar not only with the legacy sequel format, which we're, we're completely inundated with these days, um, but to have one from 2010 before it was a common trend, that's kind of a good thing. Also, Tron Legacy and Oblivion are both special effects heavy films, mm-hmm. and Top Gun Maverick is absolutely no obsection, uh, exception. Uh, this movie is covered from head to toe in, in some truly astounding special effects work. Um, so he's actually a really appropriate choice, um, unlike McCory, who it's like, I don't know why you're here. <laughs> like, who are you? <laughs> but clearly the Mission Impossible movies have been very, very good uh, mm-hmm. under his tenure with the franchise, so no complaints here. I'm just I'm just thinking out loud. Um, but anyway, to get back on track, uh, the opening moments of the film are virtually identical to the original Top Gun. Oh, um, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, it's just black screen with the beginning, the opening notes of the anthem. Uh, obviously, it's a, composed by Harold Faltermeyer, um, and they reuse it numerous times in this film to great effect, if you ask me. It's a beautiful piece of music. works really, really well as a theme for the whole thing. Um, but they have the opening notes of the anthem, uh, and they even use the exact same font, from what I can tell. Um, nice. Complete with... Uh, the same text, the same tit- the title card that starts the first film as well about uh, the inception of the Top Gun training program, um, followed by the title Top Gun Maverick. But yeah, actually, it's funny because when when uh, we are introduced to Maverick in his uh, in his hangar, like it it looks like a private hangar because it has it has all these like ornaments and decorations that look like something like mementos that a person a civilian would have like a private business or something like just like a normal aviation company or something but then then it's revealed it's like oh no shit that's a military hangar i was like do they let you do that uh i think uh my goal as i get older because i'm about an inch taller than tom cruise (laughs) <laughs> I got to get onto his fucking regimen, whatever his workout routine is. I work out, you know, regularly, but I just want to wear a white t-shirt tucked into some good old American uh, blue jeans and look this good because he just looks great still. I mean, obviously, this is like three or four years ago, almost four years ago when this thing was fucking filmed, but it still looks great. Yeah, actually, um, Kyle's mentioned it a couple times at this point, but the, uh, the road to Top Gun Maverick was a bumpy one. Uh, mm-hmm. to say the least uh, so the project actually began there were talks 
uh, to film the movie in the early 2010s, um, and Tony Scott was included in those discussions and, in fact, started to work on pre-production for the thing. Um, and unfortunately, he took his own life, as far as memory serves, uh, not too not too long after that. Um, so the project just kind of was in limbo for a long time. Uh, and then when it finally got off the ground, around like 2017-ish, and they started shooting the thing, um, apparently a lot of the aerial photography took forever and a day to shoot. Like, like they spent quite a long time just doing that portion of the film. Oh yeah, and then COVID hit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it blew up into this big old thing that's like, wow, is this movie going to be okay? And sure enough, it was about as okay as movies get uh, in terms of uh, financial success. <laughs> um, but yeah, this the point is this movie was shot several years before we got it. Yeah, I guess he was barking like a Nazi telling people to put their masks on, show me your papers, let me know that you're vaccinated for like the rest of what they filmed for this. It's fine. We have we have a little bit of a like a an an analogy or an analog to that uh during this opening portion of the film if memory serves where what I'm, what I'm getting at here is that whole tirade that Kyle's describing. That that was a, a meme that occurred on the internet where it was very similar to the Christian Bale uh, oh, tirade. Oh, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. It's uh, uh, folks at home if you're not aware and how oh, dare you if you're not Google it. Yeah, fucking Google. Uh Terminator Salvation. On the set of Terminator Salvation, Christian Bale threw a shit fit uh, at some lighting tech or something. Mm. Um, and yes, oh, good for you. you. Oh, good for you. Yeah, you can watch, you can listen to that one at work. Do not listen to the Mel Gibson voicemail at work. I strongly urge you to do that at home. Oh, yeah. No, that that is behind closed doors only. But uh, Tom Cruise, uh, to, to complete the thought, Tom Cruise had a similar tirade. Um, actually, our buddy Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast has it on his soundboard. Uh, oh, he does. I don't, wanna, I don't ever want to see it again. Ever! <laughs> I mean, the man has such presence on screen when he's getting angrier when he's sprinting. I do not want to be in the room when he is actually angry at you. Like, that sounds terrifying. Well, the thing is, like, say what you will about Tom Cruise and, you know, his reputation as a human being. When it comes to the business of making movies, I don't think there's anything he takes more seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the results, I hate to say it, like, again, say what you will about the man. Like, the results speak for themselves. Uh, I appreciate he's it. On, he's on one of the hottest of hot streaks uh, that there's ever been in the world of like action blockbuster cinema. But um, that tirade, as far as memory serves, had to do with COVID restrictions yes. on the set. Um, and what I was getting to is we have a scene coming up here in the opening portion of the film where he does something crazy in order to preserve the jobs of the people around him which that was kind of his rationale when it came to like being very very stringent with with the covid regulations uh basically tom cruise has said like in recent years that he's well aware that every time he makes a movie he he creates x number of jobs so like other he's aware that other people's lives hang in the balance to some degree uh, those people in the military, they'll still have jobs, Trevor. It may not be as interesting, but they're going to get paid the exact same amount at another job as they will doing this. So when you said it in the movie, I'm like, they're going to still have jobs, too. But I, that's more of a metaphor. I do think that's 
that makes more sense now looking back yeah it it has a layer a layer to it but no in in terms of this movie's realism factor uh in relation to the u.s military none zero (laughs) absolutely none. (laughs) they will find you work i promise you that uh yeah, the uh, old General uh, Ed Harris is on his way over, and Tom Cruise is like, fuck it, YOLO, we're doing this Mach 10 shit. And before he gets up there, his his buddy, his uh, his little second-in-command guy is just like, hey, we're going to 10. Not 10.1, not 10.2, we're going to 10. And he's just like, yeah, I got it. And you and I are both know it's like, there's no way that he's going to stop at 10, Trevor. It's just not going to happen. Uh, but yeah, he uh, he ends up taking off in this plane right when uh, General Ed Harris shows up. And did you catch this? Uh, did you catch this little little thing on the IMDb trivia? Uh, go ahead, share what nice. you got. So uh, if you notice in this shot when the plane's leaving, uh, it's like a they they had an actual plane go off. This isn't a real plane, but this is like you know just CGI rendering. But there was an actual plane that took off, and the roof of the little uh, security post lifted up. It wasn't supposed to happen. It just kind of they were doing they were doing the shot and they thought it was secured enough, but it wasn't, and it ended up popping up. Uh, and I'm like, oh, that's an awesome little mistake to keep in to keep into the uh, the movie if it's if it's true. It's IMDb trivia, so. I mean, either way, uh, I did notice that detail. But if it if it was in fact actually a, a, a freak occurrence on the set that day, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that they left it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. This is called the uh, the Dark Star. And it is a fictional aircraft, but apparently they got actual Lockheed engineers to conceive of and uh, assist in the rendering of the thing in CGI. Um, and yeah, this. Uh, what did you think of this sequence here when Maverick is pushing it to 10? I mean, it's kind of like, I'm going to go ahead and say at the top, I didn't really care for this movie. I get that it's it's well done, and I appreciate all the time and energy they he went they went into to get these shots these actual actors riding around in planes it's pretty cool um not even like even though i didn't really care for the movie that much this scene i know he's gonna survive we have two hours of movie left it was still intense like it actually still does a pretty good job of uh, making this scene tense yeah no i i think i don't think there's a way you can dispute that uh, there's a lot of very elemental aspects to this film that's just like if you're a human being if you draw breath you will have some form of reaction to the thing that plays out on the screen it doesn't doesn't mean it's going to speak to you on deeper levels or anything it's just like it's excitement you know Mm -hmm. and it's hard to counter that with intellectualizing or overanalyzing it but um, i will say this much um and i've said this numerous times before watching these kinds of movies with the girlfriend is a little bit of a cheat code um, because she does buy into the drama and get really fucking hype. Um, so when scenes like this are happening, she's riveted. And sometimes nice. it's more fun to watch her reactions to the thing than it is to watch the thing. Nice. Uh, so this was a good example of an exciting, like, uh, kind of like a nail-biting tension sequence. It's beautifully rendered as well. Like it, mm-hmm. This movie looks absolutely fantastic it does, from, yeah. from scene to scene. There's basically no instances of jank apparent in the whole thing but this was cool especially considering like this isn't like a, a dog fighting sequence or anything like this isn't like aerial combat or anything this is just a guy going fast yeah. <laughs> and like really he's he's basically going in a straight line or at least 
following the curvature of the Earth. Yes, in fact, the Earth is round, just in case any of our listeners deny that fact. You can't prove that, Trevor. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Earth is, po- is a saucer floating on the back of a giant sea turtle. It's flat, and it's resting on a sea turtle, and it's sea turtles all the way down. Uh, uh, yeah, so he he ends up getting it to Mach 10. Ed Harris is in there, and he's just like, scrub, scrub the launch. And they're just like, no, nah, we're just going to keep going. Basically, he's just like, we've nearly got it. And they do like a fun, fun little comms thing. It's like, uh, Captain, you be breaking that back right now. Like, I, he does the fucking... Uh, <laughs> He does the uh, Wayne's World 2 donut order. I like Ellie Donut. He's <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, sorry, General, the comms have been messed up. And he's like, motherfucker, all right. And yeah, Tom Cruise ends up getting it to, or Maverick. I keep wanting to call him by his, his name. Uh, his call sign is Maverick, goddammit. Um, he ends up getting it to Mach 10, and they're like, yes, fucking right. And he's just like, oh, I could totally hit the brakes and slow down and go back. But he's just like, eh, I'm going to push it. And they're like, motherfucker it gets it to like oh what 10.2 10.3 and then it goes beep 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 and it just it just stops and you're like well what the fuck happened now yeah it, it's one of those moments where it's like it leads to a, a comedic beat but at the same time it's like i don't think you survived that man <laughs> like, <laughs> Coach, i don't think we survived that crash <laughs> well for me i was just like i don't think that he's necessarily he was necessarily gonna die but it's just like i think he's gonna be in a lot of trouble because if he if they are the only people testing out this multi-million dollar aircraft and it just exploded basically and he got out in time i'm like you go down with the ship there's a reason why captains went down with the ship is because they were going to be so in debt or go to prison because they fucking crut like they ended up uh losing the ship just go down with it dude because your ass is in so much trouble but uh i do like i do like how he just it's almost like uh uh um uma thurman in uh kill bill like she just kind of comes out of the graveyard <laughs> that dude's like what the fuck is that and he just comes into the he comes he, he just you just see him like walking into frame headed towards this shitty little diner and he just goes in and i think he just stops the lady and just grabs a glass of water and then it's just like i need to use a phone i do have a theory that in recent years tom cruise has become aware of the importance of speaking to the nascar people speaking to the Walmart peoples of the world, oh, okay. Uh, because because I, I have noticed like some instances of like not Americana, but just just like I don't know, stripping himself down a little bit and like appealing to the common common American, I guess. Because like here here he goes into this this diner that's just filled with like uh, <laughs> townies, for lack of a better term. And then if you look at like the Jack Reacher films, which if any if anyone has ever cracked open one of those books it, it's very apparent that tom cruise is not what you think of when you think of the person playing jack reacher he's guy. a foot shorter yeah he's a foot shorter and his hair is the wrong color he's he's just completely wrong for it but for whatever reason tom cruise and christopher mcquarrie his you know, aka his sock puppet um they both apparently really wanted to make that movie make those movies uh, a lot of people forget there's a sequel to that one and that that one is just a wash with like speaking to oft neglected portions of of the american movie going audience i guess but anyway tangent tangent aside uh, i did like the uh 
comedic beat here where he he just walks in wordless and he looks like a fucking spaceman or something (laughs) with really great hair by the way Um, he just helps himself to a glass of water Um, but then he's brought back to the base uh to have an audience with ed harris who really 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 badly wants to fire him um but then in a, a funny bit of symmetry uh with the original top gun um i had to look up the guy's name but uh james tolkan uh was the uh bald gentleman uh from both back to the future and back the original to the future top gun. yeah yeah i think um, he's in serpico he, as well i wouldn't doubt it um he's a very good character actor uh mm-hmm. brilliant intensity for sure and he brought it to top gun as well um but they basically this was also the beginning of the original top gun is uh we have a snafu um much more intense in the first top gun in the form of a cougar uh having a freak out and uh barely uh, landing on the carrier and uh, without crashing and you know dying um and as a result of that tom cruise maverick uh gets invited to the top gun program um and here we have a snafu in the form of him uh <laughs> blowing up a, j- <laughs> a probably a billion dollar jet <laughs> a lot of money yeah and then be having an audience with another intense bald man, um, and then in getting promoted instead of fired. Uh, very similar to the original film. Failing up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just, the American story. <laughs> the American story. Uh, yeah, he's just like, you're, uh, you're going back to Top Gun, basically. Um, and then I'm not really quite sure. I did want to point out that there was a picture of uh, Miles Teller on his uh, somewhere in Tom Cruise's stuff, I don't know if it's it's in. His, I think it says his house at his whatever his living accommodations, whatever you want to call those. It, uh, it's it's combination of the the set of Wayne's World and uh, the train depot uh, hideout of the Ninja Turtles from Ninja Turtles Two: <laughs> Secret of the Ooze, go ninja. <laughs> but with an airplane. Go Ninja! Go Ninja! Yeah. Go! Uh, but yeah, I guess, so the first thing is that he goes to his next command place, he's on a motorcycle, and he goes to this bar where uh, the always gorgeous Jennifer Connelly is working. Yeah, actually, I'm curious what the age differential is between the two of them. Uh, I, I actually she, have no idea. I think she's a few years younger. I remember Labyrinth, I think she was like 16, 15 or 16 when that movie was made. And I think Tom Cruise is probably already in his 20s. So I think there's it's a reasonable age difference, but I don't think it's too substantial. Yeah, this was a, a subject to some complaints online, as far as I know. Is that what? Kelly McGillis... Kelly Mc, uh, that never happens in regards to big movies on the internet. With a woman um, in it? Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, Kelly McGillis, as far as I know, wasn't even really invited uh, back to this movie. Oh, um, and, I can tell you and, why. <laughs> yeah, the assumption is that, you know, she aged naturally, unlike Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Trevor, that's exactly right. That's exactly yeah, and, why Jennifer know, Connelly's here. Like, society at large, but especially Hollywood, are not especially kind uh, to women above a certain age. And yeah, um, that does seem to be the case um and also uh, as kyle had asked me earlier um i don't believe penny was a part of the original top gun um but she is introduced as if she kind of was um which was odd yeah Um, it it was confusing the girlfriend the whole time she was like i saw that movie i don't remember this lady (laughs) yeah i was like we watched top gun over the summer and i looked at stuff i'm like was she i'm like 
she wasn't like no it was the other chick and i'm like who is this i'm like no meg ryan was goose's wife i'm like Maybe she was, I'm like, maybe this character, not necessarily Jennifer Connelly. I would have remembered if Jennifer Connelly was in the original movie. Uh, I have noted noted every film she's ever been in because you can't not note it because she's so beautiful. (laughs) Um, uh, But yeah, so I was just like, who is she supposed to be? But yeah, as it kind of unfolds, it's like, this is is an ex-squeeze of his, basically. They had a, a, a relationship for a little while. Does he meet the daughter first? Is that who he's introduced to first? No, she, okay. he he goes back to the bar uh, okay. to pay his bill later, mm. um, and then then he meets That's the daughter. But, but yeah, when he uh, arrives in town, by the way, there's so many instances of him riding his Kawasaki motorcycle um, with uh, the the Top Gun anthem playing over it. That's kind of like the go-to segue in the early portions of the film. Does, um, does Danger Zone play at all? Did they? We, did we not? Yes, get... it does. We forgot to talk about that. Um, the very beginning of the film, um, before we beat Maverick, actually, is just a montage of jets taking off a carrier and landing. Yeah. Uh, very similar to the original Top Gun, um, but with modern equipment and footage. Um, and it's it has Kenny Loggins's uh, Danger Zone playing over a good portion of it. It's the anthem transitions into Danger Zone when when they go off the catapult you have to you have to have that song it's one of my favorite reoccurring jokes from archer is danger zone i don't know if you how how deep you've gotten but it's it's pretty great uh, but i yeah, know you, the meme i don't think i've gotten to that part of the show oh, just yet but i know the danger zone it, it gets it just keeps going it a zone of danger it's it's pretty great <laughs> Uh, I don't know why I don't have any Archer quotes on the soundboard. I'm really, really pissed at myself for not having any on here. That's really disappointing. Uh oh. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, you didn't move, so I thought you were frozen. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So he uh, he uh, sits at the bars, having himself probably a water because it's Tom Cruise, um, and there's a little, just- little bit of lemon. Yeah, a little bit of lemon. Uh, take the seeds out, please. And uh, he, they're just kind of chatting like old friends. And again, like I have no idea what they're saying during this whole part because I was just trying to figure out if she was in the first movie. Um, and while they're chit-chatting, we're introduced to uh, some other folks, some other pilots over there playing some pool. The cool kids. Yeah, uh, actually, this was a part of the movie that uh, a friend of mine who's been on the show at least once, uh, Orion, uh, he was on the Silent Hill episode. Mm-hmm. Um, you've met him, pal. Um, yes. He actually warned me about the scene going in, because he, he really liked this movie, um, but he did tell me ahead of time, he was like, so there's going to be this part in a bar where you're going to hate the movie. Yes, this is like, the exact, yeah. I had the exact same reaction to this. Yeah, I, I hated it. Like, this, like, this like three four five minute stretch of the movie i was like i hate this i, I was brent spiner in star trek Gulp. i hate this <laughs> like like really i i i hated the way this came together um but thankfully i did have the blow softened a little bit uh by having a, a trusted friend of mine warn me that that part is terrible but if you get past it 
it gets good. And well, sure enough, it, it for me anyway, it did get good. Well, I, I'm going to voice my issue with the movie, Trevor, and it's yep. the it's the drama. It's the drama of the film does nothing for me. Like it it just passes right through me. I, I'm not connected to it at all. There's the friction between Miles Teller and Maverick. Uh, there's the friction between Miles Teller and the blonde dude. Uh, that just none of it really it didn't matter to me. I like I don't care about that. But it takes up a significant part of the movie. It's not just planes. So that's kind of my my issue with it. The other issue I have, and I think it's probably seventy percent of my issue with it, Miles Teller sitting down to this fucking piano, wearing sunglasses, and then playing Great Balls of Fire, and the entire place goes up in flames singing this goddamn thing. Like a single fucking person in that place would know that. I know. It's a callback to the first movie and he and Goose were doing the shit, but him there's something about him just him the act of him sitting down with those goddamn sunglasses on that stupid fucking mustache. What was your reaction to his mustache by the way? Cuz I started laughing hysterically <laughs> when I saw him with that stupid fucking mustache. It's the dumbest thing I've seen on a person. And uh, I lived in Seattle. <laughs> I've seen some oh. dumb things on people. Yeah, see, if he was, if this movie took place in Seattle, he'd have a shitty hat to go with it. And, yeah, uh, and a windbreaker, windbreaker, a raincoat. Yep. With yeah, a hood. he'd look like Marty McFly or some shit, and he would have pants that don't quite go all the way down his ankles. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> they aren't rolled up, by the way. That's how he, they're cut. He'd be having <laughs> a Rainier, even though Rainier's made in California now. It's not even made in Washington. <laughs> By the way, uh, portions of this film were actually shot in Washington, um, around the Whidbey Island area, or out of the Whidbey Island base, apparently. Um, Interesting. Um, But, uh, yeah, it looks terrible. Uh, His mustache, that is. Uh, I did say this movie is aesthetically pleasing. Uh, That mustache (laughs) is not. not. (laughs) Let me me just go ahead and voice my issue with Miles Teller as well. It kind of is like Jamie Foxx for me. It's like, I only like them when they're being funny like miles teller is actually very funny and his mm-hmm. comedy movies I'm like oh yeah he's i get a kick out of him same with jamie fox i don't really like him when he's serious uh same with kind of alec baldwin i think he's very funny when he's trying to be serious eh, yeah but as soon as miles teller gets like this serious look on his face he's got a real problem with maverick i'm like i'm looking at my phone to look up trivia that's what i learned about the trivia was basically when he was on screen yeah there's there's a weird I don't know, pseudoscience when it comes to like casting and films, because I think fairly universally, that's people's opinion of Miles okay. Teller. Thank you. Okay. And I want to say that that's unfortunately probably comes down to his fucking face. It's his fucking face. Yes. He just has a bad <laughs> face for movies. <laughs> I don't know what it is about your face, but I want to rearrange it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I just don't like looking at you, man. <laughs> It would have been like the kid in your high school class where you're like, would you shut the fuck up already? <laughs> it's, I know you're trying to be funny. It's not funny. Just be quiet. Well, and that's, that's the weird thing that I'm kind of trying to articulate here is that that person that you're referring to may in fact not be the most annoying person in the room, but the chemistry between maybe their punchable face and their behavior like elevates them to another level. Yes. And in Miles Teller's case, I want to say that it's unfortunately <laughs> probably just that. that <laughs> almost everybody I ever talked to, that's their opinion of this guy. Is that talented actor. I don't like him. Yeah. That's why we all really, really love J.K. Simmons just a little bit more after that that, <laughs> that shocking scene in Whiplash where you're just like, oh, do it again. He's, he's no, dragging. No. He's dragging. 
He's dragging. <laughs> Get him. I'm sure, Tom, I'm sure Tom Cruise was yelling that at him between takes. <laughs> you're dragging, Miles. Miles, you're dragging, dragging. Miles. Do you want to be dragging, Miles? Yeah. Next take. You're rushing. Why are you rushing, Miles? <laughs> How does J.K. Simmons' hand taste, bitch? Yeah, sorry. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some of that shit going on on the set. I mean, some oh. of these movie productions get very catty like that. Tom Cruise has slapped a man. I guarantee oh, you on oh, a production. Oh. He has slapped a man. I've heard rumors that that is a Scientology thing, by the way. Like, <laughs> do they do they keep a glove in their pocket and slap them with <laughs> a, du- a duelist the glove? glove? A dual glove. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have heard rumors that it, like open hand slap is is kind of like a Scientology power move or something. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he slapped a bitch. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of these sets do get catty. Like like Predator, famously, uh, everybody was trying to outmuscle each other. Like they were hitting the gym earlier and earlier and earlier and doing harder and harder <laughs> cycles <laughs> all through shooting. <laughs> and then uh, famously, I think the story goes, uh, Jackie Chan and uh, Benny the Jet Urquidez on the set of Wheels on Meals. Uh, Benny is Benny Urquidez was a real kickboxing champion. Jackie Chan is a Circus Stuntman. performer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and apparently he was, like, constantly, like, negging him and, like, egging him on to, like, go hard on him. Uh, and the results spoke for themselves. Uh, that, that one-on-one the two of them have at the end of Wheels on Meals is one of the finest pieces of martial arts cinema that exists. Um, but apparently Jackie was just a cunt to him the whole time. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, this bar scene, uh, to get back on track, uh, I, I can pinpoint a big part of what was irritating to me personally, but I understand, like, I think I know what they were trying to do. Um, and it's unfortunate that they decided to go about it so bluntly, but it may actually, in some weird way, contribute to the overall success of the thing. Um, there's a lot of repetition of people saying each other's call signs. Like, we're introduced to all of the people who will be important for the remainder of the film. All of the pilots who are going to be, spoiler alert, going, like, taking on a special mission. Um, and just every two seconds, someone is saying someone's name. It's their call sign. It's like, Hangman, Phoenix, Payback, Hangman, Phoenix, Payback, just over and over and over again. And I think it's to hammer it into your skull that that's who everyone is because none of them have much in the way of personality. Dude, you could have put a gun to my head and I would have told you hangman. I'm like, that's the only call sign that I would have called back. I would have not gotten any of the other ones. Not in a million years. I'd be dead. Never would have gotten it. (laughs) I mean, there were a couple other ones. Like, I think there was a Harvard and a Yale and then, of course, Bob. Bob. That's just kind of a fun little gag that he doesn't really have a call sign. It's just his name is Bob. Like, oh, Bob. <laughs> it was supposed to be funny, but I was pissed, uh, so it, the joke didn't really land for me. Um, but I get it. Yeah, there's just Bob. Um, yeah, but but the repetition was absolutely infuriating, um, and it it feels like a busted movie. Like it feels like the movie's falling apart before your your very eyes. But thankfully, after the scene, it kind of well, finds its footing a little bit. As a Top Gun fan, did you not want to punch a puppy when you saw Miles Teller sit down on that goddamn piano? Okay, so the piano. Um, may like how about how about how about this? Like maybe <laughs> instead of him playing the piano, like in the identical fashion to his his deceased father, how about the song comes up on the jukebox and he gets upset? 
Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, so you weren't like punch a puppy angry, but like punch a dog that's attacking you angry. That's about as about where you were. It, it was it was very blunt, and they even go so far as to insert stock footage from the original film. Yes, uh, of that sequence, which thankfully that sequence actually had a child actor in it to like signify that this movie, this song hold significance yes. in that it's probably one of his last memories of spending time yeah. with his dad it makes sense for sure it do, it does it's yeah. again this this movie i, I want to say probably the secret to its success is that it's very rock stupid in a lot of ways like it's it speaks to you on a just an instinctive level mm-hmm. like a, a lot of the theming and the story has to do with fatherhood and ev- every human being regardless of whether they knew their dad is birthed from a dad and it's just like one of those things that's on some level you probably relate to it um and then there's jets every 10 minutes so it's like you're never you're never completely bored people Um, used to tell me when i was a kid that i came right out of my dad's ass because i looked just like him apparently that's the that's the phrase you came look like you came out of your dad's ass (laughs) yeah but i was yeah my dad, my dad did not birth me from his ass, uh, but yeah. The, so he ends up, uh, he ends up saying something, or he picks up his phone. That's what it is. He has his phone on the bar, and uh, Jennifer Connelly rings the bell, and the whole bar is like, "Yeah!" And I've done this before. I've I've rang the bell at a bar, not realizing what it means. Uh, when you ring the bar, that means whoever. Whenever we ring the bell, uh, that person has to buy a round of uh, drinks for the whole bar. And by the way, this place has gone from four people to a squadron full like this place is packed it's a packed house it's like fourth of july it's crazy uh and he rings it and then i think he buys a round and then i think she rings the bell again he has to buy another round and then his cards decline so then she hits three bells and then uh hangman and well deep throat or whoever the fuck else uh pick him up (laughs) And uh, they they give him a good old fashioned uh, Wild West, throw him out the bar onto the onto the sand, and you and I were both watching this like they don't know that that is their instructor that they're going to be seeing first thing tomorrow. Yeah, and again, this is actually some some cute symmetry uh, between this film and the original Top Gun is that we have a role reversal here, and that top in the original Tom Cruise was hitting on Kelly McGillis, mm-hmm. not knowing that she was going to be the instructor, and here we have all the students throwing him out of the bar, not knowing that he's their instructor, so he's yeah. taken on the the Kelly McGillis role. It's cute. Yeah, it's very it, cute. Yeah, um, I'm creative. <laughs> It's, uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so next day, uh, everybody's sitting in the, uh, in the hangar, and, uh, John Hamm, uh, have we had the sit down, we haven't had the sit down with John Hamm yet, that's, that's an important scene. Yeah, I forget exactly when that occurs, if it's before, it's, uh, Maverick speaks with everybody, but I think it is. It is. Uh, I just want to, I want to touch on that real quick. One, if you haven't watched Mad Men, which I know you haven't, this is Don Draper. This is him being Don Draper. This is what he's like in that show. He's just a dick, and this is him talking to an underling, basically. And it's great. Um, but John Hamm's basically like, look, you're on the way out. We have aud- like we, we have drones. like We have uh, planes that fly themselves. You are a relic, and you've, you're, you're, your ass is writing checks that your butt can't cash or whatever. Same, same <laughs> thing. It's just like, except he's just like, now this guy who's clearly younger than him and clearly outranks him is like, you're a fucking loser. 
and I don't want you here. I think that you should just fucking give up <laughs> and go away, but you're here. Be on your best behavior. And then, obviously, we've got that twinkle in his eye, like, you know I won't be. Um, but then he goes to the bar. He gets thrown out. He has, like, a little a little moment where he hears the great balls of fire, which I feel like that, that whole scene just took way too long, by the way. Let's just, yeah, let's wrap the, that the up. Bar, that initial bar sequence is straight up not good yeah. for the most part. <laughs> uh, yeah, then we get to we get to Top Gun, and we've got all the cocky Top Gunners there. Uh, there's like two women, the rest are pe- what rest are dudes, um, and they're like your new instructor. He's going to be in here telling you how to to do this stuff, and uh, he's the best. And he doesn't say he doesn't like him, but he's just like fucking here he is. And they all realize, oh, this is the fucking geezer that we threw out the bar last night. Shit, and Miles Teller is. <laughs> clearly upset like trembling with hatred uh at seeing his face we're like oh what's the story here <laughs> well i mean from the the photos at the hangar at the beginning of the film you can kind of start to piece together it's like oh he's goose's son that's 100 percent why well, he has the stupid fucking mustache yeah i mean you know you know who he is pretty quickly and it's just like there's clearly an issue here there was clearly a falling out what's that all about yeah, uh, they do take their time revealing exactly what happened there, but um, it needs to be said, uh, Tom Cruise is uh, texting uh, Iceman, uh, oh, yes. who is referred to as his like guardian angel, uh, because he's apparently high up in the, the naval brass, um, and is responsible for, for finding Maverick a new posting, rather than having him, you know, court-martialed <laughs> um, after wow. the, the Mach 10 uh, debacle. Well, let's talk about Val Kilmer when we get to him, because it really is yeah, sad. Yeah, but, we will. Uh, but this next sequence is probably my favorite part of the whole movie. I don't know how you feel about it, but th- this whole sequence right here, the dog fighting, is just great. I, I loved it. Well, that that's the thing that it's like the, kind of the secret sauce of, of both this film and the original Top Gun, is that they're secretly sports movies uh, mm-hmm. to some degree. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it is scrimmaging and and training um and this movie is it also kind of doubles as a heist movie to some degree a little bit has it has the construction of a heist movie albeit in the form of combat um but yeah the training is it's fantastic uh it it has a wonderful flow to it i think they i think they had the who uh playing over this first chapter of it um very different uh vibe in terms of you know the musical tonality of it uh, because you know 1986 top gun was cheap trick and stuff <laughs> um kenny loggins um, <laughs> but here but here i think it was a track from the who um yeah that was up. and also i think something that engaged me a lot um was having having the plan uh the special operation that they're training for laid out so concretely so many times like Mm -hmm. the the repetition again in the bar sequence that was obnoxious but when it comes to ensuring that we the viewer remember what needs to happen without it having to be reiterated while we're watching it that's actually kind of that's a superpower standpoint that is a superpower at this point because i've seen plenty of movies contemporary movies where i'm watching it and i'm like what okay what the fuck are we even doing like what is the plan you're absolutely right i didn't pick up on like yeah I knew the entire time what the plan was. Good point. Thank, no, uh, thank you for 
for acknowledging that because remember Kyle said he didn't especially like this movie at least not as much as I did but I do think that they did a wonderful job of making sure that everyone knows the plan by the time we get to enacting it where when things go awry we know we recognize it before the movie even tells us honestly Um, and I've really enjoyed that Uh, I really felt like I was along for the ride Uh, and and the training of it is really spectacular like not only the the aerial photography of it but also just the the comedic beats that come from watching Mm -hmm. all these people that we saw just you know swinging dick like Mm -hmm. left and right during that bar sequence where we introduced everybody and just seeing everybody get repeatedly humble (laughs) it's really Um, and i love that bit where where they make the wager Mm -hmm. uh, about the push-ups where it's like that's i don't know guys that's a lot of push-ups 100 push-ups is a lot (laughs) Uh, the song is uh, Won't Get Fooled Again, and it is by The Who. Uh, I did forget that they threw in some David Bowie, Let's Dance, uh, which is always a banger track. And that's a funny connection with Jennifer Connelly. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, I didn't even realize that. Uh, but yeah, so just so yeah, they make this bet, and these guys are all cocky, and I guess the point is, is like they have to work as a team to try to get Tom Cruise down. And they're like, what do you, uh, like, I'll bet you 100 push-ups that we get you. And he's just like, all right. Spoiler alert, nobody gets him. And it's really fun watching them all try to get him. And they're just all, like you said, just humbled. And it's just a shot at it. They're doing 100 push-ups in front of the plane. Yeah. It's, it's great stuff. It's, it's really great. But he gets into well, a bit of, oh, sorry. Oh, I, I just wanted to say that um, while the characters are not especially deep, I did really appreciate that they all have traits. Yes, very um, much. They all have a different approaches to how they conduct their piloting, and it's very concretely doled out to us. Like, like we start to identify different traits that all of them have when they're in the air. But uh, go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we should probably talk about their traits. So Hangman, he got his nickname because he'll just leave you out to hang. Like, he's just in it for himself. He's not a team player. Uh, the lady pilot, who's... One of the other significant players. Uh, she's a team player. She's by the book. Uh, she doesn't really have any obst- uh, other than being in a male-dominated field. That's really her main obstacle. Uh, she doesn't really have any issues. And then who is the other one? Uh, payback. He's the other. Yeah, we have Coyote and and Payback as yeah. well. Um, I'm not really sure what Payback's thing is. He's just kind of a. He's just there. But it really, it's uh, what's Miles te- what Miles Teller. Uh, What's his call sign? Rooster. Rooster. That's what it was. Which isn't a bad call sign. I'll give it to him. That's that's a fun one. Um, but Rooster and Maverick get into a bit of a, a scuffle uh, up in the air, basically. Uh, Miles Teller is not giving up on the exercise. And, you know, Tom Cruise is, you know, he's got love for this kid. So he's still entertaining the idea. And one of the things that they're not supposed to do is they're not supposed to go below a certain... Uh, um, below a certain height basically like if they go too low it's like a danger and this is you know they're supposed to be training and they both go below they one of them nearly gets killed basically um and they make it back but yeah uh, tom cruise ends up getting chewed out by john ham because of this whole thing yeah very similar to the original top gun they have they call it the hard deck where it's Mm -hmm. basically a an a minimum altitude that you're supposed to be performing the exercise at and they violate it repeatedly but uh, like egregiously uh in this one exchange between rooster and maverick where uh they're literally clashing uh in the air um 
both in terms of personalities but also the way they're piloting against each other and yeah uh rooster very nearly crashes into the ground and uh we have a fun little beat where john ham is chewing out tom cruise um and he's like basically telling him like the hard deck exists for a reason you will obey it to the t um and any alterations uh to the training program you will submit to us in writing and like after minutes of chewing him out tom cruise presents him with a, a folder and yeah. he's like what the fuck is that and he's like uh permission to to lower the hard deck sir <laughs> it's pretty good <laughs> it's like information that would have been useful to me yesterday oh you're a smart ass with your mouth closed yeah it's it's pretty good um, That's a good line, Kyle. <laughs> it's uh, I'll give you a hint. It's from True Detective. Can you guess which character from True Detective said that? Woody. No, it is Kevin Dunn. <laughs> Kevin Dunn. It's Kevin Dunn Our who says that. boy Kevin Dunn. Yes. <laughs> yelling Friend at somebody. Of the show, Kevin Dunn. Yelling at somebody. Yelling at somebody. As some- is the best use of your Kevin Dunn. Yes, have him yelling at somebody. Um, yeah, so... Uh, this is where so again like this is also where the movie just kind of loses me it's like well i don't care about the drama between these fucking kids the other thing is like i don't give a fuck about a dude middle-aged dude trying to rekindle a relationship with a lady who has a kid that he used to date which also takes up not a significant portion but it's a part of the story which is too much uh i feel like could you just add anything else to to change up the runtime why does he have to be rekindling an old flame yeah, th- this was something that I was curious what like the general reception of it was because Jennifer Connelly is a fine actress. She's a great actress, in fact. Um, this is, material is beneath her to a lot of degrees, but um, they're both putting in performances. Um, but what we're doing with the characters is very—it's very light. Like, like yeah. we're not really aiming for deep drama here, but. It is cute. I will give it that much. Like it is actually legitimately kind of cute. Like seeing them sail together. Um, Tom Cruise again. Like when it comes to making movies, the man has a little bit of a gift because he like confidence is like his his superpower mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Well, but I think he does. Yeah. But he does. Well, that is a huge part of it, honestly. <laughs> but um, I think he in spite of that is able to step back from himself just enough to recognize that seeing me like the ultimate like the epitome of confidence in in hollywood cinema humbled and and made to look like a fish out of water to some degree is actually somewhat charming yeah for so sure. seeing him seeing him sailing with her and actually not know how to sail was actually kind of endearing yeah, you don't because otherwise you've got Steven Seagal. Like he's just a master. You've got a master of his craft up there, basically schooling these kids. So yeah, we do need that. We need that breather of him, something kind of humbling him a little bit, or him not knowing how to do something. You're absolutely right. Yeah, no, I, I think that is a little bit of like part of the equation to, mm-hmm. to making a, an affable character on screen is because that is the problem with Steven Seagal is that he lacked any sort of ability to laugh at himself. And he's, an, he's the most laughable human being that's ever existed. Yeah, he's, and he's an enemy of the state. Uh, but yeah, he, he is not welcome back. He is not welcome. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So he has this little chat with the daughter, and she's just like, "This is where we kind of learned that they had like some kid, like they dated before or something like that." Um, I think maybe they're yeah they're they're going out on the boat. They come back off the boat, and then I think we do we do some more. 
We definitely do uh, playing football or keep away or something like that. But is there anything significant that happens before we have the team building exercise? Uh, not that I can think of. The main thing is that somewhere along the line it is mentioned. Uh, we don't go into much detail, but it is mentioned that um, the reason why there's tension between Goose, uh, Rooster, excuse <laughs> me, and Maverick um, is that Maverick. Uh, prevented him from joining the Naval Academy mm-hmm. um, and set his career back several years. Four, Four years. years. Yeah. Four years for a young man. Ooh. Good God. That that. No wonder he hates your ass. Fucking right. <laughs> like, he's absolutely right to hate him. Yeah, he's yeah. totally, totally fine to hate him. Yeah, then we get this. Uh, so the mission, by the way, we have a time. Like, we're, we're on a timer here. Like, this is a tough mission. We have three weeks to get it done. And we have to... It's not paying homage. We just have a different beach scene, basically, where we're... It looks like we're playing football, but it's not quite football. I have no idea what the fuck they're doing. Um, it's Calvin Ball. <laughs> uh, we do get a wonderful shot of Tom Cruise sprinting, which, folks, if you haven't seen Tom Cruise sprint, just just look it up. It's, it's It'll make you want to go run. Like, fuck, I got to get back into shape. This dude is killing it. It's ridiculous. He's like a goddamn running back. Uh, but yeah, John Hamm comes up and he's just like, what the fuck are we doing over here? We're supposed to be training. He's like, well, this is a team building exercise. And he's like, whatever. Uh, I think he have to, we have to move up the mission or something like that. Like there's maybe something that happens where it's like we have to kind of tighten the screws. We have to move up a little bit. Yeah, I, I apologize to anybody who gives a shit, but I, I completely forget the sequencing of events around this portion of the film. Uh, yeah. But there are... There are numerous key scenes that happen around here, one of which being football on the beach, with the, which is where Maverick kind of recognizes the need to the need to build like cohesion among yeah. all of the all the pilots, um, rather than you know have them completely pit against each other. Um, also, he does hop into bed with Jennifer Connelly at one point, although it is it's less than Bond sex. Uh, yeah, no, no, she breaks off a piece for him. Uh, <laughs> And actually the the girlfriend did appreciate the move of her uh leaving the door open um to signal like we had a ni- we had a, a nice chuckle about it because it's this it's this really cute beat where Jennifer Connolly gets off the motorcycle she goes home and without turning around she just leaves her door open mm-hmm. and it's just like you know you, you know what to do <laughs> but but we had a, a chuckle over the fact that I legitimately probably would have ran up to the doorstep and said, Hey, you left your door open. It's going to close that for you? Yeah, I was <laughs> like, hey, you left your door open. I'll sh- don't worry, I'll shut well, it for you. By the way, you sh- <laughs> that's fucking great. It's a rough oh. neighborhood. You should, you should make sure to lock up. Oh, man, that's good. Uh, no, the heating so- bill's going to go through the roof. <laughs> so what I, uh, I was talking with Steph and uh, with one of my other uh, talking with my, one of my other buddies that likes Lord of the Rings, and I threw this by Steph, and I'm like, you know, ah, I feel like the elves, like they don't have sex in Lord of the Rings. They don't, they don't bone. It's just like I feel like they just masturbate next to each other, like with their shoulders touching. Basically, there's not, there's, there's no joy. There's no sex for fun. And I just feel like Tom Cruise is such an intense dude that. He probably just pulls his wiener through his jeans and just masturbates really quickly, like once every two weeks, and that's sex for him. Like I, I can't imagine the dude boning somebody. Oh, you just put some weird images in my head, Kyle. That was, the, all point. <laughs> that was like, the point. Like the one is Tom Cruise 
stay with me here, Kyle. Tom Cruise like uses telekinesis to unzip his fly. <laughs> he just focuses Zinu! really hard. Zinu! <sighs> but then he just he wraps all of his 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 fingers around the shaft and just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just one Boom. jerk. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then done. And then because he he's a busy man. He's a busy he's got dude. Shit to do. Yeah. Like he's still got to get off, but he's got he's got bills to pay. He's it's, got to do, he's got movies to make. It's a quick dude. It's just it's it's one and done. It's, it's not it. even a. Uh, uh, it's just. Uh. <laughs> he just but you want yeah. He just it like, blows a hole through the wall. <laughs> he doesn't even plan for it. He's just like uh. He's like a mid sentence. What we're gonna do on this set is, excuse me for a moment. He just leaves for fucking like forty five seconds. And they're like that was weird. He's like sorry, I had to take care of something. Anyway, <laughs> I'm much, I'm much more focused now. <laughs> much more focused. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, elves from War of the Rings from Middle Earth. I imagine, I'm imagining no hands. Just yeah. whatever they do, there's no hands involved. Oh, there's some just, of that. I can see that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, free floating kind of. <laughs> but yeah, so Jennifer Collin breaks off a piece for him, and uh, I think it's either the next morning or later that evening, or like middle of the night. Basically, she's just like, "You gotta get the fuck out of here." Like she, the daughter was supposed to be gone for the weekend, now she's come back, and you know, it, it makes sense. You like, you don't know how your daughter's gonna react to this. You know, dating a dude that you used to date, but. Uh, She's like, yeah, just go out the window, basically. And he, like, drops down right in front of the kitchen window. And the daughter's just looking straight at him. And I do like it. They just look at each other. <laughs> just give this look. <laughs> just give us look at each other. And he just walks away, basically. Yeah. It caught me off guard because that plays as a comedic beat. But then she says to him, like, just don't break her heart. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh, well, that... That was a more serious than I expected. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, she's right, you know. They're both getting up there. It's like, what are we doing? Why are we wasting our time, you know? I, I get it. She's protective of her mother. But, yeah, it was yeah, still I really mean, funny. There, There is... I I haven't really put any thought into it, so I'm talking directly up my asshole. But, it's um, a podcast. I, I, yeah, it is a podcast. <laughs> I am thinking maybe there is some theming about, uh, I don't know, commitment and, like, finding your place in life. Yeah, because I mean, remember, this is a character who is as cool as Maverick is pre- is presented to us. He has been doing the same shit since the eighties. Yeah, he ha- he has been passed up for promotions since the eighties. Like on paper, not the coolest guy in the world. Like, he should be he's incredibly good at what he does. Yeah, he should have been retired a long time ago, and also that extends to his personal life. He doesn't have any connections or revolutions for that matter yeah um and then there's that uh, spoiler alert the, the line at the end thank you for saving my life uh, between him and rooster that you know if you spin it a certain way that could be like him saying like he he found his 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 place in life through through taking on this mission and you know rekindling his relationship with penny and and rooster well one of the reasons why um buddies of mine uh, decided to get out uh, was that you look around and you see your superiors. You see the guys that are like leading the like the division. Like you, you're with all these dudes. You have camaraderie with all these guys because you're all just stuck together. But once you start moving up, your buddies start disappearing, and you get to a new command. You might be lucky if you see one person that you know in your division, and it's just like that's your one buddy. But it's you get moved, moved around, and especially for him, it's just like. 
Not only did he not move around, he stayed in the same place where none of his buddies were. So yeah, it, I'm sure it's very lonely, uh, like where he is in his life. And yeah, I I didn't really consider that. It's like yeah, where where does he fit in now? Yeah, and it's not like he's been flying combat missions. I mean, as far as I know, it's not a common thing. But um, he does have that line to Rooster at one point, like if you if you do this job long enough, you will lose people and. I'm not saying that he lost fellow airmen, but he probably, you know, just through living a long life has has and will lose more people as time goes on. Um, so I, I do think that there is a thin theme there. I, I do think it's there, but but yeah, uh, he is he gets caught uh, <laughs> uh, hopping out of bed with Jennifer Connelly, um, and also um, I want to say that. Is this around the time they start changing up the mission parameters or something? Yeah, so I think... Or the approach to the training? So there's a change to the approach in training because uh, there's an incident. I think it's uh, Homegirl Coyote. I thought it was Bob. I thought it was Bob and the other chick. But oh, yeah, yeah. This was actually a really cool sequence, honestly, the way it's constructed. It's It's a nice little swerve. Yeah, I don't remember how it plays out. I know that... The um, the the lady and Bob get out of their jet, but the other dude, I think he blacks out, and uh, he nearly. Do you want to tell? You want to go through the plan? We should probably tell him about the plan real quick. Yeah, I can't believe we didn't do that. <laughs> so uh, there's this. I think we're back to Russians or some kind of Eastern European country, which is kind of a a nice change in pace for these types of movies because it's been so, Middle East for the most. So part. just to just to pause for one second, yeah, because. Um, politics are inherent anytime you're making a movie this big yeah. it just it's inevitable so the original top gun and this movie never names mm-hmm. the the belligerent nation if it is a, if it even is a nation mm-hmm. um it's just those guys over there um however in both cases they pilot uh russian aircraft um or at least of russian origins yeah other other countries for sure use russian aircraft for sure, for sure. um but yeah the 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 aircraft in this are of Russian air origin. They had MiGs in the in the Top Gun from 1986, but they never name any nations. Mm-hmm. And there was a little bit of a, a controversy in the early promotion of this film um, that the Taiwanese flag uh, was removed from Maverick's jacket um, through the use oh. of uh, CGI. Uh, I wonder why they his, did that. Well, I'll tell you, Kyle. <laughs> so, I was so, joking. Um, I was joking, but please uh, there, tell the listeners. There was, yeah. <laughs> There was quite a lot of Chinese money uh, invested in this film through the, the corporation Tencent, <laughs> uh, which have their hands in a lot of cookie jars, um, and they actually pulled their funding, and it was it it was a sizable amount, like ten percent plus of the total budget of the film. Uh, they actually pulled their funding uh, as a result of some clashing of ideals, um, and if you watch the finished film, the Taiwanese flag, I believe, is restored. Um, and also, I couldn't help but notice that some of the Asian cast members seem to be deliberately pushed into the back <laughs> of the shots to the extent that you barely even see their fucking faces on the screen. Um, and it just so happens that that's how it worked out. I don't know if that was intentional, um, but somebody in the editing bay didn't care very much for those actors or something because they have fuck all to do with this movie. But they are in the background of a lot of shots. You never really see them very clearly, though. Um, but yeah, the the belligerents in this movie are, not, are never named, but they have Russian equipment. Yeah, you can 
I went ahead and put him in as Russian-ish in my head, so that that's just who I had in my mind. Um, yeah, so we have to go through this very windy canyon, basically, and they've been simulating this uh, exercise, and they have to do it in, like, what, 20 seconds, basically, to get to the Two target? minutes and 30 seconds. Two minutes and 30 seconds, they have to go through this whole canyon they're trying to avoid these um automatic or like uh what do you call them like defense missiles basically it's just things that if you're picked up in the area they target you and shoot missiles at you they have to try to avoid that sam's surface air missiles there you go and uh we have to wind through there and we have this small target we have to hit because it looks like they're it's like a uranium or plutonium enrichment Thing, something along those lines. It's also, almost like a small ventilation shaft. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, but we were watching yeah, this. It's in- almost like Beggar's Canyon back home. <laughs> yeah, I used to, I used to shoot womp rats. We're about the size. They're about the same size as that. Uh, Steph's just like, wait, it's like plutonium or uranium. It's some kind of onium. Uh, some kind of um. <laughs> It sounds nuclear. She's like, should they be shooting that? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't sound like something you should be shooting at. But basically, it's a very it's a very small hole that we have to get the shot into. And then immediately, you have to scale this uh, mountain, uh, just going straight up. And apparently, it's really crushing on you. And one of the trainees, one of the uh, guys in training blacks out, basically, from having to do this. And... Um, they switch up the mission parameters after that. They're like, we have to change the way this is. Now you have this amount of time, and you can go up higher. You don't have to fly this low, basically. And the class of um, of pilots are just like, uh, this is kind of bullshit. Like, this doesn't seem right. And I think, um, what's his face? Uh, Rooster and Hangman kind of get into it here. I get into an argument about the whole thing. Yeah, so... I, again, I could be fudging the sequence of events, and I really apologize if this is a contentious point for anyone out there. But like, if memory serves, we have an incident where two pilots, two different aircraft, uh, experience like critical failures um, in in doing training exercises, where Coyote passes out from the G forces of of the quick ascent. Um, mind you, they're doing all this simulated, but you know that they. G-forces and stuff they're experiencing, actually. So he passes out mid-flight, and it's only through a little bit of a miracle and uh, Maverick locking onto him and creating that that audio tone in his cockpit that he actually wakes up in time to save himself. Um, But then we have a a, a swerve where everything seems to be okay, Uh, and then Phoenix, the female pilot, um, her she experiences like an engine failure, two of them as far as i understand and she and bob end up having to be jacked uh, while their aircraft crashes so we very nearly lost two like top tier elite level pilots uh, just through trying to do a training exercise one exercise and so as a result um rooster's rattled because he does seem to have some sort of connection to, to phoenix it's never explained but the two of them seem to be friendly not romantic just friendly like they they have been They've been in like shoulder to shoulder for a long time or something. Yeah, they're 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 buddies. Uh, everybody just doesn't like Hangman. He's just the asshole. No. Yeah, and she actually is constantly nudging Rooster that he needs to do better because she doesn't want Hangman to lead because apparently he has the skills, but not the not the right mindset. 
Mm-hmm. So as a pilot, he probably is very, very, very good, maybe even better than Rooster, but he's not supposed to lead the operation. So she's like saying, you can claim this, you can claim leadership, but you got to earn it. Um, and by the way, Rooster's trait in the air is that he's uh, overly cautious. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't go fast enough and he doesn't take enough risks. And uh, there's a, a, a phrase repeated, um, like, don't think, just do. Yeah. Um, that is kind of it becomes a mantra for him in the later stages of the film. But it's not fucking Yoda. No, no try. Oh yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah do or do not. There is no try. try. That's right. There you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's around this time that um, <laughs> John Hamm's grand plan is to make make the make the plan less good. Yeah. <laughs> Like, Basically, if they if they if they can't do the training, then we should make the training easier. And I feel like there's some sort of commentary like going on there. I can't exactly suss it out, but I do think that's a funny concept. Well, yeah. Well, fucking speaking of Star Wars, now there's there's several Star Wars references now that I'm thinking. Uh, in uh, Empire Strikes Back, he's just like, I can't get the fucking uh, X-wing out of there, and Yoda just like closes his eyes and just lifts it straight out. So this whole time, they're like John Hamm's basically breaking it to the team, like, "Hey, this whole plan's not going to work." Like, uh, fucking Maverick is doing it right now, and yeah. he goes through the whole thing, even going up into the air and does it. And they're like, "Fuck!" And he's just like, "This is where he gets chewed out by John Hamm again." Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Jennifer Connelly, by the way, gave him a, a pep talk because I believe it was around this time, as a result of the the training problems that uh, he was told by John Hamm he was off the project mm-hmm. um, and he didn't he came to Jennifer Connelly he came to Penny saying I don't know what to do and she told him you'll you'll find life will find a way Maverick <laughs> <laughs> and as as is the case with everything Maverick does doing something highly illegal and very very dangerous ends up being quote the right thing to do yeah. um, because no you could not you absolutely could not do this. No, not without not without going to prison forever. Forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he uh, he completes this uh, completes this mission basically, and now we've got to get. I guess we're going back to the original plan again, where he basically yeah. has convinced him. Uh, but John yeah, Hamm in, does in dress demonstrating him. that it can yeah. be done. Yeah. He basically hammers home the point that we we should continue down the path we started. Yeah, but I do think that this was a little over the top. Like, John Hamm dresses him down like a real screaming fit, basically. And he's just like, I should have you fucking court-martialed and put thrown into prison for this shit. But God damn it, did you not look magnificent in that plane? Like, you just really did it. You really got it done. And it's it's actually a really funny beat, because um, they're standing a great distance from each other, and John Hamm's, like, speaking out the window, so he has his back to him. Um, and yeah, he starts things out by saying, like, I have everything I need to, like, shit can you forever. Mm. But you did a damn good job, and I think I know what the solution is, and that's to appoint you team leader. Yes, um, we didn't even meant did we mention that? That he's not even going to be going up. Like, yeah, he was supposed to just train these pilots to do the job, yeah. but the solution was right there in front of him it's like well you know you just proved that you're probably the best candidate for this anyway you demonstrated your ability to in spite of your age okay i guess i guess you got the gig but i like i like tom cruise's reaction here where he like 
he, his mouth opens and he like looks he looks like a startled child or something. Yeah. He's ecstatic. Yeah. He's like, I get to fl- I get, get to, to fly. Yeah. <laughs> was, I forgot to mention that when he arrives, he uh, he thinks that he's doing the mission. He's like, yes. your mission is to teach them, and he's just like, what? What? what, what, what? I thought I was I was going to get to do it. Yeah, so yeah, he, this is a big moment for him. He's just like, dun, 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 He's super fucking jacked. <laughs> oh, by the way, b- very big scene that we did not go over, uh, and we absolutely have to. Uh, Iceman. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was getting to, was the, that I figured that would be the next scene, basically. Um, yeah, so uh, if you want to lean the folks in, I'm going to look up exactly uh, what happened with Val Kilmer. Um like what uh what ailment and what illness he is uh suffering from um, so i believe it actually takes place a couple of scenes earlier but um around the time maverick is uncertain what to do with himself and and the training program for these top gun pilots uh he gets a text message from ice in his phone mm-hmm. uh, ice man uh saying i i gotta talk to you like now and it's it's an order uh so we get to see Maverick go to Casa de Ice, and uh, he has an audience with Val Kilmer, with the original Iceman, with Tom Kazansky. Uh, I feel like a lot of the pilots in the Top Gun program are kind of similar to pro wrestlers in that they're like their actual legal names are kind of shit. <laughs> That's why they have cool call signs, is you know Dwayne Johnson, not exactly amazing, but The Rock, absolutely, Paul yeah. Levesque. Not exactly amazing, but you know, Triple H, that's got that's got some flair to it. Sean Hickenbottom, not amazing, but Sean Michaels. Now that's got a ring to it. Oh, what is <laughs> fucking uh Cactus Jack? Uh Mick Foley. Mick Foley. <laughs> Mick Foley's kinda it, it that has some warmth to it. That's kind I of sh- fun. I it should, sounds like your buddy. I should read his book. Uh so Val Kilmer was diagnosed with throat cancer and he's had a couple of surgeries or a couple of tracheotomies and uh chemotherapy. So he really can't talk very well, and I think he's very, very weak. I think he was go like he was like going through it the worst when this was basically being filmed, I believe. Yeah, and the story goes that they always wanted him, but Tom Cruise like really championed uh, to make sure they got him not not just like him on a on a poster like they like they had in the trailers, like not just a photograph of him. He was like, no, we got to have Val in the movie. We have to have a scene with him even though speaking is a problem. Um, he can speak to a limited degree, and actually, like, as far as I understand, they they went to the trouble to, to do kind of like a, a James Earl Jones thing with him, where they actually tailored, like, an AI voice program to emulate him. Mm. Um, but they didn't end up using it for the movie, but it was an approach that they prepared, like, should they need to lean on that. But th- from what I've read... This is his voice, but computer-assisted to some degree. I had the so same understanding, yeah. Yeah, so he does speak on screen a couple of times, like exactly like one time. Um, but it's not his natural speaking voice, but it's you know it's the best the best they could do. Um, um, but yeah, by the way, have you seen his uh, his documentary? I th- I think about it like once a month. I'm just like fuck. I need to watch it. Fuck. I need to watch it. I just I never get around to it. I really. It's like. As far as documentaries go, like it's on the top of my list of something I want to watch. Uh, unfortunately, right now, uh, 
NFL playoffs are happening. Actually, the Cowboys are about to play the Bucks in about eight minutes, uh, and it is a big game. Uh, so I'm looking forward to watching that. I'm like, oh, I can watch Valentine. I'm like, nope, no, you're not. You're gonna watch the Cowboys play. So don't even, don't even kid yourself. But I, I'm gonna try to get to it this week. I'm actually, I'm really trying. I need to push myself to get to it uh, because it does look, it does look very interesting. Um, I do want to see is. it. And I, I, I enjoyed it. It's really good. Okay. Um, but yeah, this is such a. This is sucks. I mean, at least we were kind of given this with Val Kilmer, like, a lot, like with uh, Tim Curry, like the poor guy just had a stroke and he's just he's just wheelchair bound and he's just not himself and it's really unfortunate. But this is particularly sad because I think you and I both have a great appreciation for Val Kilmer and to see him in this scene, it just breaks your heart to see him like this. Like he and tom cruise are contemporaries they're about the same age and tom cruise is in he's a physical specimen for crying out loud and val kilmer just got the 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 short end of the stick basically and just had this happen yeah it's really unfortunate actually makes me think of uh, another stroke victim unfortunately john milius uh, also has a really good documentary um he lost a lot of his faculties Mm. um it was really tragic because he was a, a writer and he was just the most colorful personality he was so larger than life and to see him so not himself um as a result of the stroke was just so tragic and the same like the thing about Fal kilmer and his throat problems though is that in that documentary you see that like even though communication is a problem he's he's un, unlike john milius he's still Fal kilmer like he, he still kind of has like a impish quality to him that like even though he the word he doesn't have as many words at his command the energy's there it's like he's still the same guy cognitively oh um sorry i'm gonna have to take a break uh the dogs were sleeping now she's up i have to take her out real quick or she's gonna piss on the floor <laughs> give me just a sec sorry basically does he just get, give him like a, a bit of a pep talk here basically just telling them you yeah. gotta suck it up quit being a bitch get this shit done yeah we we get like some legitimate acting chops from tom cruise here where he he allows himself some to express some emotion it's not all devilish grins and swagger it's like oh wait he feels too Mm -hmm. shit (laughs) didn't see this coming (laughs) um but yeah it's a it's a heartfelt conversation between the two of them it's also a nice reunion um they actually incorporate uh, val kilmer's condition into the role um, and that they, I think it's his, uh, his can his cancer is becoming a really big problem. Um, hence the urgency of, of the need for this audience here and now. Um, but yeah, it was a really, it was a really touching scene in a lot of ways. And Tom Cruise caught me off guard a little bit by how well he conducted this because mind you, like Val Kilmer is acting opposite him but he he is limited in what he can do so it is a lot of it is the tom cruise show but it's just kind of cool that they they managed to put this in the movie um mm-hmm. like it, it is nice that they they went to the trouble to to bring val kilmer on the set and actually do this yeah it is nice that they actually were able to to take care of it um yeah I th- i'm not sure where that was but it was important that we bring it up just to talk about him a little bit but um yeah I guess we should get to Act Three. Uh, just get to the the actual the actual mission itself. Yeah. Uh, so at this point, Maverick is assigned to be team leader, and the movie knows better than all of us that it's like, well, now that that's settled, I guess we don't need to 
dilly dally anymore. Let's just fucking get to it. Yeah. Um, so they we immediately uh, very similar to how the uh, the final action sequence of the original Top Gun just arrives. Mm-hmm. It's very similar here, where it's just like in one cut, we're at sea, we're on a carrier, and we're getting ready to launch the jets. Um, so Maverick uh, selects his team uh, for the operation. I believe it's four jets. Um, so it's Phoenix and Bob, and uh, Coyote and Payback. And then, uh, as his wingman, uh, he has Rooster. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hangman is actually just in a support role. He's to remain on the carrier in in case of emergency or something. Uh, yeah, um, Hang- he- <laughs> Hangman thought he was going to be chosen. He's just like, oh yeah, here we go. This is going to happen. He, <laughs> this guy, he reminds me of the actor. Um, he was from U571. I think he has since passed. But he was also the cowboy in The Indian in the Cupboard. Um, oh to- wow, that's a deep ass cut. <laughs> he's got that same like he has like the same eyes and the same kind of smirk. Like he's just got these kind of squinty eyes. Um, I'm not sure if you remember who the actor is. Um, uh, let me. I do not, but I I do remember that movie. I remember uh, having to read that book around the time it was uh, coming out. It was kind of a big deal. I remember we had the VHS oh. and I had the little the little toy in it, uh, which was. Uh, pretty awesome uh david while you have your phone out david david keith is who i'm talking about oh david keith yeah he's Uh, actually still alive he's still alive i thought he had passed away but no yeah absolutely no i i really like david keith he's he's a lot of fun Uh, he's a lot of fun but um yeah they both have kind of the the narrow eyes and the the swagger to them yeah Um, but that's who he reminded me of he has more uh he has big guy energy. Yes, yes. Well, no, just the way, the way that uh, the way that he was sitting here, just like, oh, they're about to call me next. He just had that same like that that gleaming that that look. It's like, oh, it's about to happen. And then he is dest- like you can just tell he's distraught. Like he is destroyed when he finds out that he's not on the mission. Um, it serves okay. him right. He's not a team player. Yeah, but he has to be okay with it. Yeah, regardless of how he feels about it. That that's them's the breaks. That's you just got to deal with it. But um, while you have your phone handy, Kyle, I'm gonna I'm gonna toss a, a name at you. Who's the name isn't gonna mean anything to you, but the face. I, I I hope I'm barking up the right tree. Tom Hopper is who's who I was thinking of when Glenn Powell arrived on the scene. I was like, is that is that that guy from that movie? Oh, but then I was like, oh, they're two different people. They're both they're both jacked. But they're two different people. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the dude from Resident Evil. Oh, Correct. Uh, I think he... Is this the same dude? I think he does some Lifetime movies, if I'm not mistaken. If Maybe this is a different guy. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. He has, like, generic handsome white guy energy to him. No, there there was a guy from uh, the Resident Evil movie, but it was not this Resident Evil movie. It was a different Resident Evil movie, I think. Oh, he he was in Game of Thrones apparently. Dick and Tarly, his name was Dick. Tom, oh, he was a Tarly. Oh uh, yeah, that he's uh, Sam Tarly's probably brother or something. Uh, I mean, I I'm, I'm seeing Black Sails, Barbarians Rising. Like this, this guy's done a lot of Nordic and medieval television. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> anyway, uh, I that's who I, I was getting my wires crossed. I was I saw Glenn Powell, but I was thinking Tom Hopper until I looked it up. I was like, oh. Okay, there's, there's two guys out there that kind of have that look. Okay, <laughs> so it's like you just did a Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, <laughs> oh! <laughs> I don't want to 
to be a pirate. Oh. <laughs> Jerry, you have uh, to be a pirate. Um, yeah, go ahead and, and walk us through the uh, to the to the the end scene here. The big, well, at least the first part, because there is two end scenes basically. Yeah, it's actually again the movie throws a little bit of a swerve at us. It does. But as I said, it does have a little bit of a heist movie energy to it going into the final act here. Uh, something I mentioned to you before we started recording was that this movie toys with you a little bit because you think you know the blueprint for a film like this, uh, but they keep kind of like keep giving you swerves. It's just like, oh, I know what's going to happen. One of these people has to die. It just has to happen. And I thought somebody was going to die in training to really make this thing tense, but nobody dies in training. And then, as this unfolds, I'm just like somebody has to die in this in this final in this final sequence. Yeah, I, I thought that was actually very effective on the part of the filmmakers. Is that I think they recognized that doing that would cheapen the thing, because they as I, I pointed out several instances where they have deliberate symmetry with the original film, where they are deliberately referencing some some elements to the progression of the plot and whatnot uh, and the placement of the characters but then they they touch it but then they pull it away they 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 yank it away from you and it actually ends up being satisfying because for instance when when phoenix and bob have to eject if you're like me and you're very familiar with that first top gun movie you're thinking of goose the whole time you're like we we did this before it didn't go so well (laughs) Um, and even towards the very end of this movie, we have another sequence where somebody is being ordered to pull the ejection handles, and you you feel your butthole clench. You're mm-hmm. like, I don't know if that's a good idea. I mean, getting hit by a missile is not good either. But you know, yeah. <laughs> but but either way, but yeah, it it kind of teases you with this, these tropes that we're all very very familiar with and are expecting, and then it cleverly pulls it away, and it doesn't feel. It doesn't feel like you've been denied something. It feels like, oh, okay, we're actually making a... Tom Cruise, I think, actually said in interviews that it's like the idea was we're not remaking the first film. We're trying to make a different film that's actually... It can stand on its own. And I do think that this one does for the most part. Um, But... Oh, Kyle has a buddy on the camera. Uh, You can't see it, but it's an adorable little dog. She keeps keeps tippy-tapping around. Well, well, I don't mind looking at him while we're talking, but um, yeah, by the way, there's an additional complication to the mission um, in that we are flying F-18s and uh, the enemy will be flying, as they called it, as they call them in the film, uh, fifth generation fighters. And they say that about a thousand times in the movie. Again, repetition is the best teacher. Um, It does get a little repetitious at some point, um, but the point is... There's also a, a, a phrase that we're repeating often in the film. It's it's not the it's not the machine. It's the pilot, basically. Um, it's not the plane. It's the pilot. Um, so the idea is we have slightly antiquated mach- like jets going up against technically superior ones, um, and that makes the mission even more difficult because it's kind of a suicide run to begin with. But should any aerial combat need to take place? they'll be at an intense disadvantage. Um, and also, I actually had to look this up because I was actually curious, like, why why they added this as an element to the plot. Um, why, why we're using F-18s as opposed to any number of jets that exist. And the answers that I found pointed to, one, 
uh, the F-35, which is referenced in the film and has been seen in film for a long time now, um, like only officially entered into service like around the time this movie was being made. Um, so from a filmmaking standpoint, they wouldn't have access to that aircraft probably. Um, not like an F-18 that they could strap whatever cameras they want to um, and do whatever stunts they want to. Like, I don't think the U.S. military would want to risk losing an F-35 to a movie production or something. No. Um, and then the other the other point that I found was that apparently the design of the F-35 is that it's supposed to operate outside of sensor range, um, which completely nullifies all of the danger element of, of the finale of the movie, because basically what I read was that this mission could have easily been conducted with uh, aircraft, like a like a, a bomber craft that just flies higher than anything can shoot, and so they just drop a giant ass bomb on the on the site, and that's it. <laughs> or an F thirty five, which would operate outside the sensor range of any retaliatory strikes, again nullifying any sort of danger or drama that could possibly have come from it. So it's like if you want a fucking movie, we gotta we gotta be flying shit boxes. Yeah, well, <laughs> not that an F eighteen is a shit box, but we we basically did that so we could have a movie. Well, I thought they told us that before. It was like, uh, you're a relic. Like we just have drones now. Like fighter jets are going out. And I thought that that was the movie telling me it's like this. We're we're just we're making this up so we can do jets. That's the whole reason why we're doing this. Otherwise, this mission makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah, and and to their credit, I I thought this final mission plays out wonderfully like i thought it was really beautifully choreographed and uh, it does need to be said like while the the first top gun is a technically very very solid film like in terms of special effects technology um the choreography of of the the jet action married with the co- like the live cockpit footage is edited absolutely beautifully um, the first Top Gun movie does have a little bit of a haphazard quality to it, where it's like, I don't know if that shot of that jet doing that maneuver really syncs up especially well with the shot that preceded it, but, you know, it's jets doing stuff. I'm, I'm happy. Whereas this one, it's like beat for beat, shot for shot, very tightly constructed. Um, it, it, you're never confused, not for a second. At least that was the case for me. Yeah. Um <laughs> Uh, yes. And, uh, then we get to the mission? Yeah, we get to the mission, so we, we, uh, we have a, a last-minute attempt at a heart-to-heart between Rooster and Maverick. They, it's, it's cute, where they they start to try to talk to each other, and then there's, like, a horn playing, on, and, like, there's all sorts of ambient noise that makes oh. it difficult to talk just then, so Maverick basically gives him the I'll see you on the other side speech, and then they just get into the planes and take off. Um, and they, again, really high quality filmmaking here. They know when to pull things back, like to throttle back a bit because there's, there's a tension hanging in the air and the music is thrumming, but it's not like overpowering with bombast or anything. And it's just like, we're, we're simmering, we're, we're building up to a boil. Um, and basically everything has to fall in line perfectly. We, the audience are very much aware of this and, uh, we have all sorts of jargon going on on the radio between the, the command crew on the on the carrier um, and Tom Cruise, who's leading the mission. And basically, uh, the timetable for their two-and-a-half-minute trench run 
uh, kicks off when uh, they launch a, a missile attack uh, from from the sea at the site that they're going to. So they're going to be blowing up the enemy's runways before the jets even get there. So the missiles actually fly overhead and are supposed to be hitting as they're conducting the mission um, so as to provide them time to, to do it and get out. Um, and by the way, there has been a lot of repetition of... Uh, there's been, like, verbal warnings throughout the film that, like, Tom Cruise's character is supposed to be worried about keeping everyone alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, he has to remind uh, John Hamm that, like, one of the mission parameters is also, oh, yeah, and everybody comes home, right? Yeah, and, and he's like, just ah, like... It's mm-hmm. kind of secondary, but yeah. <laughs> he's sure. like, no, this is the military. Yeah, of course, we want to have everybody come back but we're also totally fine with not everybody coming back you get what i'm saying uh yeah it's it's meant to plant the seed in your head that's like this is like everything we've seen about the training suggests that like it not everybody's going to come home like we the viewer kind of expecting that like someone's going to go down here because they didn't go down in training like they did in the first top gun but who will it be yeah who yeah who's it gonna be so the whole time you're watching it like i know i felt that a little bit like who's gonna eat shit yeah somebody's somebody's gotta die die. uh yeah i think uh i think rooster is being kind of a pussy like uh i think uh everybody else is like getting into position doing what they're supposed to be doing he's like He's like scared or something like that. I don't know. Like I don't know if he was just rattled by something that Maverick said to him, but he's just having having an issue basically. And I think that voice in his head is like, "Stop being a pussy and just don't think." <laughs> uh, and he gets into gear. He gets gets to where he's supposed to be going. Yeah, he he finds he. I mean, it's literally. Well, not literally, but it, it it is let go, Luke. Yeah, trust the force, <laughs> Luke. <laughs> like it, it is that, oh, except God. for it's goose. I like I like that Empire Strikes Back, but my God, when he gets into when Luke gets into the Millennium Falcon at the end, and you get that cut of Vader going Luke, and he goes Father, <laughs> he's like that shoots <laughs> up. It's one of the dumbest things in cinema history. Yeah, uh, it, it's Shakespearean acting woo, in space. Woo. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So I'm trying to remember how this all exactly plays out. Do they do they scramble a couple of jets? Like they are able to get at least two jets. The the enemy's able to get two jets going, and they're headed their way. Yeah, they're unexpectedly on the radar. Two enemy aircraft appear, and everybody gets tense. Uh, pucker factor five. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but surprisingly enough, uh, despite like how hectic the scenario is they do actually pull it off they actually run the course they ascend and they descend and uh they have to do a, a tandem uh dropping of ordnance where there's two aircraft one of which is doing targeting and the other one is dropping the ordnance and then they have to do it twice uh two miracles back to back as they refer to it great um, shot they johnson also have to- yeah <laughs> Stay on target. Stay on target. <laughs> they came from behind. <laughs> mm. uh, Here we go. Uh, yeah, Star they, Wars. Uh, they, um, yeah, it's Star Wars, folks. Fuck. Uh, uh, they dive into the, the basin, but then they they success they successfully perform the ascent out of the basin, um, and they do not pass out from the G forces, thankfully. But then 
uh, all of the SAMs, all of the surface-to-air missiles, uh, get on their scent and immediately start chucking missiles at them. I'm sorry. This is where uh, Hans Zimmer earns his keep. Uh, Hans Zimmer actually did the score for this film uh, under the supervision of Warren Balf, uh, who is also a, a talented composer in his own right. Uh, and the score for this movie is quite good. I will give it that much. Um, it is surprisingly low-key at times, but around times like this, uh, Zimmer really is apparent on the soundtrack. Um, but this sequence was harrowing, where everybody's dumping chaff and, and doing maneuvers, and everybody's screaming at each other on the radio, and there's this one aerial shot pulled all the way back that just shows the mayhem and the chaos going on that really does... Like in spite of how corny the movie's been up to this point, it actually does feel kind of hopeless. Well, it does kind of feel like an all is lost kind of moment. It does, and the, like you like you mentioned earlier, uh, how you you're aware of what's happening. You can tell who's who, and like, yeah. and I think that this is, this sequence is uh, is really good at showing you like the evasive maneuvers and the uh, like throwing out the little little thingies, the little thingies, uh, chaff. Yeah, little chaff. Like yeah, countermeasures. You, yeah, you can see it happening. It's not like three different camera shots and it was taken at three different times. It looks like it's one <laughs> fluid motion. It just is actually happening. Yeah, um, and just the the onslaught. Uh, it it's it's tense. It's legitimately tense because you see you see them narrowly avoiding one thing that would be a problem unto itself. Immediately followed by another. Immediately followed by another. And it's just so rapid fire. So so never ending it, it does feel like i think this is the time when people are going to start dying um, yeah maybe not maverick but somebody's going down and sure enough though uh rooster runs out of flares uh and maverick performs a maneuver and dumps his flares uh to take a missile for him on mm-hmm. his behalf yeah um and his plane goes down um and we do like you do see that the cockpit portion hasn't blown up but that doesn't mean anything like you could easily die um but he goes down and uh, everybody gets on the radio and is asking John Hamm, like, what do we do now? Um, and uh, in traditional action movie fashion, uh, the guy in the suit or the, the guy back home on the radio, the 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 Dwayne uh, from Die Hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you listen to me, you little asshole. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he... he he tells him come home. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's absolutely right. He's like, it's done. Yeah, we got it done. Yeah. We lost one Mission guy. Complete. Come home. <laughs> I don't have to fire him. We don't have to pay a severance. We don't have to like pay out his fucking uh, his retirement because he has no family. So yeah, we're this is best case scenario. Really, <laughs> this is the this is the best thing that could have happened to me. Uh, come home. Him having his paperwork already already like penciled in and already done yeah. he's like, <clears throat> like, <laughs> it's yeah. like i don't have to do shit after this yes, this is done uh, <laughs> uh but Sign yeah and date done <laughs> yeah but i think uh so yeah tom cruise is gone but i think uh fucking rooster goes back after him yeah they have a swerve here where i think it's just a close-up of rooster's eyes and that's like a snap to black and then we find Maverick in the snow, and he's waking up from unconsciousness, and a helicopter, a Russian helicopter comes after him, a gunship, if you will, uh, and it tries to murder him. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, he narrowly avoids it, 
and he's taking cover, and then out of nowhere, a missile strikes the helicopter, and oh hey, it's Rooster. He didn't leave. He disobeyed. He deliberately disobeyed orders, and oh shit, he just got shot down. Yeah. <laughs> it's like two seconds later. Yeah, and uh, and fucking Maverick sprints again. We get double sprints. Two two sprints. We get two sprints in this movie. We just see Tom Cruise hauling ass over to him, and. It looks like he's going to slow down, but he just fucking knocks his ass down, which is pretty great. <laughs> oh, uh, the, the girlfriend and I had a good chuckle at that. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> he gives him an Elaine shove from yeah. Seinfeld. Get! Oh! <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. Uh, I was actually craving black and white cookies, and they were in the store the other day. I was this close to getting them, but they are so high in sugar, dude. Do not look at the nutritional facts on those cookies. Um but yeah, he uh, he just levels him basically, and he's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" It, you know, it's like, "What are you doing?" You can't try to save me or whatever it is. Um, and they have a, it's kind of a nice little like a little funny moment here. I don't remember what this it is, was. This, this part of the movie is weird because I really really liked it, mm-hmm. but it it like, and this is something that unfortunately I'm I'm going to have triggered by my analytical instincts by like contemporary movies for some time now is is covid films uh-huh. oh i like, just watched one I, of those <laughs> so did i uh i just watched uh, shin ultraman uh the japanese film that oh. it, it actually screened in, in u.s theaters for a couple of days um i went with the girlfriend and it was fantastic i uh, watched uh amsterdam and buddy when i tell you that you can tell this is a covid production oof Man, it is. You can tell right away it's a COVID production. What what aspect of it told you that, dude? There's this scene at the end where we have all these actors who are in the same shot who are not even in the same room when this is happening. Like I was watching it, and Steph's like, "No, they're in the same room." I'm like, "No, they are not. <laughs> these are these are people in completely different rooms." So apparently, it was a very rushed production. There's 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 a story behind it, but uh, that's a story for another day. Yeah, no, that's stuff like that. That again, like, I, unfortunately, I can't not notice it or at least theorize as to what I'm looking at sometimes. Because Shin Ultraman actually was preceded by a message from the director, and he said, like, oh, I didn't really get to meet any of the actors. Mm. Like, I really wish I had. They seem like cool people. They seem like great people. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like as evidenced by the cinematography in the movie, which is quite good. Like the camera angles in particular are, are very fascinating in that movie. Um, there's a lot of like GoPro footage where there really doesn't need to be, and I want to say that has to do with mm. probably using camera rigs that the actors could place themselves, like separate from the crew. Um, so there's like a disjointed quality to to some like literal like image fidelity uh, to to a lot of the shots in that movie. And mm. this one, what what I'm getting at is just like hair and makeup and lighting is radically different. Uh, for these last few scenes with Tom Cruise farting around with with Rooster, I yeah I really do like this this last little sequence. It's a lot of fun. I do too. And yeah. I I kind of want a movie with Tom Cruise, and it doesn't necessarily have to be Miles Teller. But if you let him be funny, it could probably work. Where Miles Teller is a motor mouth little wise ass, and Tom Cruise is like a spy who's like in charge of like almost like bulletproof. Where you've got <laughs> where you've got uh, Tom Cruise in the Damon Wayne's position, he's got to take. The annoying dude Adam Sandler to wherever he's got to go. I'm like, I could see that being kind of fun, um, but yeah, this this scene is pretty. This is good. Yeah, this this was where the movie started to do legacy sequel kind of stuff, but like 
kind of did it the right way. Yeah, it's great. It, it it really caught me off guard by like how goofy and fun it was. Yeah, like in a in a movie that was fun, but also like just two seconds ago was deathly serious. But like Miles Teller, to his credit, turns into was it Anthony Edwards, uh, the actor who played Goose. Like he he takes on the mannerisms and the body language and the he gets goofy. The, yeah. Yes, he he gets he, goofy. Yeah, and it kind of works. Yes, I'm like this is this is how you use him. This is almost this is almost exactly uh, Will Turner and Captain Jack Sparrow commandeering a ship in the in the first parts of the Caribbean movie. Yeah, this was hilarious because and actually I, I I unfortunately got a little bit ahead of the movie. Um, I wish I hadn't because it spoiled some of the fun for me. It was they do mention during the initial briefing of the mission that they just happen to have F-14 stationed on the enemy base. Like, oh, they're in reserve, though. And it's like, they just happen to have the same iconic jets from the first movie at the enemy base? And I was like, okay, we have Tom Cruise and and Miles Teller on the ground. They need to get home. I wonder how they're going to do it. And But then, like, it, it started to fall in line in my head, and I was like oh shit not only is he like behaving like goose he's gonna take goose's seat and that's kind of cool like i'm uh, movie you kind of earn that that's kind of cool they're literally gonna fly the same fucking plane in the same fucking seating arrangement that's kind of cool um but yeah it's it's funny they do like a little bit of like almost like vaudeville routine kind of like like trying to amble across the runway into the the hangar to file like pile into a f-14 tomcat that just happens to be on the base here uh and they fuel it off they fuel it up and they take off and now the mission has turned into uh a journey home uh from behind enemy lines um and we actually do get a little bit of dogfighting in the movie uh, and it's pretty fucking cool it's maybe the coolest scene in the whole movie honestly <laughs> Um, because on paper it works really really well um, in that we've had it hammered into our heads again the repetition comes in handy here where um, we're we're using older equipment against newer equipment and the idea is we don't have a chance and we don't have a snowball's chance in hell because they outclass us on a technical level Um, so we have here a situation where on the journey home uh, Tom Cruise and Miles Teller uh, are confronted by two enemy jets, two technically superior jets, uh, and they have to make a, a judgment call on the fly, like fight or flight. And, well, you know, flight doesn't exactly work here because, uh, as I said, better jets. They're they're faster, they're more, more maneuverable. Uh, they, will, they will win that fight. Uh, so it turns into just like a, a life-and-death struggle in the air. Um, and it's choreographed beautifully. I really love this sequence. How about you, Kyle? Yeah, I, I liked it. And unfortunately, I we had to hit pause because my dog was doing the exact same thing she's doing now, which is acting a fool. Uh, and I saw a name pop up because uh, we were watching. We were into this on Amazon. Um, and it's fucking Hangman. I'm like, God damn it. I didn't, I didn't think that was coming. But now that I oh. see him... I'm like, God damn it, he's going to save the fucking day. So I was really yeah. pissed that we it was ruined. But yeah, um, I was like, I don't know how they're going to get out of this one, man. Like, this looks this looks pretty bad. And they've been told told nobody's supposed to come help them. But yeah, I do like this. Uh, also, I was like, okay, 
they're gonna they're gonna fly up next to us. Let's just be cool, okay? <laughs> and the the pilot who's wearing like uh, all black, like you can't see you can't see who's you know who's there. Um, and he's doing like some hand signals, and he's like, "Do you know what that means?" He's like, "No." And he just like gives him a wave. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. He's just like, "Can't hear you." Yeah. Uh, well, it, it just reminded me of again Star Wars: Return yeah. of the Jedi. I don't know, fly casually. The fly casually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had the same thought. Uh, yeah. No, no, we're doing fine down here. Uh, how are you? How are you? <laughs> Who is this? Uh, boring conversation, anyway. Boring conversation, anyway. Um, yeah, I did like the way this plays out, and I do, I do like a good redemption of the. Uh, of the kind of asshole, like that's always a good thread. Um, uh, Hangman comes in to save. I think they're about they're about to get hit. Basically, like they there's nothing they can do about it. Um, and yeah, Miles Teller has to do like the old school thing where he has to look behind him to see what's going on. Um, but yeah, Hangman comes in and, and saves the day. And then did you catch with how they had to get the car- the the plane back on the carrier? Yeah, they had to put up the. Uh it's a net. It's like a basically, it, it catches the plane and keeps it from like flying off the deck or yeah. slamming into it. We had to do this drill one time, uh, just doing with the net because it, it it's a lot of work to get it out, but you just need to know how to do it. It's like, all right, we're just going to run it. But yeah, we never, fortunately, never had to do that. But yeah, um, that was uh, that was like I saw it coming. I'm like, oh my god, I completely forgot about the net. Uh, but yeah, they have to because there's no landing gear. Uh, they have to basically get caught on the net. Yeah, uh, just so you're aware, folks at home, Kyle was on a carrier. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know the specifics of what he did on the carrier. I presume a lot of shamming. Uh, uh, <laughs> you actually, I, I won't tell you what I did, but you do see my job on the, cool. on, the fl- on the flight deck. You did see it on there a few times. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, but yeah, uh, they do manage to get home. Uh, the reason why they needed to get the net uh, was because their their front landing gear actually gets knocked off um, when they took off. Uh, I, earlier, I said that I had a buddy who was on the same carrier as the transport. That was me. I was I was talking about myself. <laughs> I I was my buddy. I, I was the one on that on that carrier when that happened. Yeah. I wasn't gonna say it for you, yeah. but you know, you you did it. You well, did technically, it I do have a buddy that you do know that was on that same carrier. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so it wasn't an outright lie. Yeah. <laughs> no. um, but yeah, they, spoiler alert, everybody comes home. Yes. Like, everybody makes it home. Shocking. It kind of makes me mad that Goose dies in the original uh, Top Gun, because I don't think he needed to die. I think that story would have been totally fine without him dying. This movie kind of shows us that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of like Goose dying. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. It. it it carries a lot of impact. It, <laughs> it carries a lot of impact, and it's it's a, a humbling moment for for the Maverick character who desperately needed it because he is a little bit of a prick. Um, um, and also, it, it I appreciate that it isn't in combat. It's kind of interesting, actually, that that's that's like the one major casualty is a complete accident because yeah, it was it was mechanical failure. It's like Spike Jones dying in Three Kings. He's like, they're like, if I get killed after the war is over, I'm gonna be really pissed. And then Spike Jones ended up getting a spoiler alert for that shitty movie. 
Yeah, but it, I I just think it's novel that, that that's how they chose to have a major character die. Is like just a, it was an accident. Like yeah. nobody's really at fault here. It it was a bad thing that happened. There was a dire consequence, but there's really no one to blame. Not even in not even an enemy nation or anything. Yeah. Um. But yeah, everybody makes it home, and we have a a redo essentially of of the on the carrier uh, finale from the original Top Gun, where everybody's you know cheering and happy, and uh, we have a couple of major exchanges between characters where Hangman and Rooster kind of make amends. They just acknowledge each other's value. Mm-hmm. Um, I acknowledge your and- value. <laughs> Sounds like something Nick Cage would say. I I acknowledge your value. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like something he would say to craft services. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he, I would love to hear like when he dies, just like all the crew people that have ever worked with him, just tell stories about him. I bet there's some just delicious nuggets of, of knowledge out there about Nick Cage behind the scenes. Yeah. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm sure. But, yeah. Um, Maverick and Rooster have an exchange where, as I said earlier, he says, thank you for saving my life. And basically, they're cool now. Like, mm-hmm. like whatever problems that were there, they're cool now. And by the way, Meg Ryan's character died off screen. Um, and also, Maverick pulled, quote, pulled his papers, Rooster's papers, that is, um, at her request before she passed away. But he never tells him that your mom your i did that because yeah well your mom wanted me to yeah it never goes well he actually acknowledges like i didn't want to make him hate his mom (laughs) like like, i'd rather him hate me than his mom (laughs) like that that's actually kind of noble in its own way i guess yeah um but the ending of the movie is uh we're back at maverick's hangar um and rooster is with him uh tuning up a plane Mm -hmm. and a penny shows up in a Porsche that I don't know if she can afford. Motherfucker, uh, she cannot afford anything on a bartender's salary. None of this I shit. Was, yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, that car looks a little too nice for a single parent that owns a bar. <laughs> I think that nice-ass house, I think you can hear waves. I'm pretty sure you can hear waves from that thing. Absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's a movie, but at the same yeah. time, that's what I was thinking. It, <laughs> I took it as, the, like, Steph was just like, this doesn't even look like San Diego. I'm like, because it's not supposed to be. This is just supposed to be, like, anywhere America, basically. So, yeah. yeah. It's just supposed yeah. to look. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I, again, that's that's Tom Cruise probably well aware that it's like, it's, it's better if it just looks like America. It's America. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, hang on. You have, a, you have a sailboat? Yeah. And a Porsche? And a Porsche? It's, Where's the money going Where the from? fuck? Did you, yeah. Did you get into NFTs or some shit, Penny? <laughs> now, I've never been to Ohio, but we want people in Ohio, whatever they're like, to think this could be in Ohio, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm imagining uh, Tom Cruise doing research for Jack Reacher and, like, working two weeks at an auto zone or oh. something. <laughs> God, he'd be trying to test people's detans or some shit or uh <laughs> nobody look him in the eye he will smack you if you look him in the eye uh, they probably have to treat him like the queen it's just like don't talk until he talks to you you do not approach mr cruz oh yeah ice to the floor all day <laughs> uh but yeah she shows up and they go flying and a lady gaga song plays the end yeah <laughs> Uh, and then we do the the thing with the, the like they did in the first movie where we have uh, 
credit slides for all the major characters in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, albeit with a Lady Gaga song playing over it that, you know, I don't have any problems against her, but it's like... it's doesn't seem like her song. kind of film to be singing over the credits for, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, you, you gotta sell the movie somehow, Kyle, you know? If you remove- Chinese investors pulled out. <laughs> if you were moved by this film, go and reach out to your nearest recruiter, you can probably be a pilot too. No, you can't. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the movie is—you definitely can view it as you know recruitment propaganda for sure. This, uh, but it is actually fairly light about the patriotism. It's, it's more just about like technical excellence and and like you could do cool shit. No, they don't glorify the military in this. This is yeah. this is a movie. I I, yeah. I was watching it. I'm like, I don't hate. I I don't hate it because of that. That I have no ill will towards it being a military movie because it's really not it's just a mission really yeah um which i think yeah it makes it a little bit better but yeah uh, even after talking about it i really do appreciate uh some of the sequ- the plane sequences those are fun but just the sh- fucking miles teller and the whole the whole romance angle i'm just like that is just too much for me um just do anything else with those other things. Pick another actor, please. <laughs> Get another actor, please, for this guy. I might have liked it a little bit better, but I mean, it's it's a good movie. I'm in the wrong. It's just my own personal taste or holding me back. Uh, but it's it really is a lot of fun, and I wish I had seen it in the theater because I think I would probably would have let the Miles Tellerness go a little bit. Yeah, I think it would have been a lot easier to just get swept up in it and and just strap in for the jet sequences and whatnot. But, I mean, you're entitled to your opinion, man. If it didn't work for you, it didn't work for you. (laughs) I just wanted to make it clear that it's a good movie. It has excellent excellent things about it that I do acknowledge, but it's just just my own personal taste. I'm not going to bash it uh, for that. Yeah, I, I personally had a lot of fun with it. Um, I thought the cinematography was absolutely gorgeous at times, um, especially when you take into consideration that apparently a lot of the actors had to operate the, their own cameras. Yes, and, <laughs> and apply their own makeup. And according to Miles Teller on the IMDb, uh, at least half of them were throwing up constantly. Uh, yeah. It I believe a, it. Apparently yeah. it was an arduous process, yeah. Yeah, and it, it was a long one, too. Um, but... Like taking all that into account, I think it looks great. I thought the the editing of the action sequences in particular was stellar. Like <laughs> again, I was from a visual information standpoint, I was never lacking. Like I never felt like the movie lost me, and it's it's a very delicate thing to balance. But um, do you think? And the the go ahead. Go. Oh, so do you think there's any directors out there when they hear actors complaining about like, oh man, this is a lot of filming. I'm really on for a long time. Do you think they ever just go, hey, did you ever see Apocalypse Now? Yeah. Then shut the fuck up. <laughs> you don't have it that bad, okay? Yeah. Well, I mean, any director can also just, you know, if they want to be a dick about something, just be like, yeah, guess what? I'm here every day. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even started for- editing this motherfucker, all right? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, you like, get to you, go you do other shit. Keep- I have to yeah. edit this thing. <laughs> It's like, you, you're just here for the shooting. Yeah. It's not a movie yet. It's yeah. not a movie until I make it a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just I stopped your thought there. I apologize. No, no, it's fine. Uh, point is, I liked it a lot. And I, I, thought, I thought it really successfully uh, presented a, an original thought mm-hmm. while being a sequel. 
Yeah. It's like this is its own movie. Like structurally, it's very different, and it it, ha- it it's not completely coasting on the source material. It's very much its own thing. It's honestly the best legacy sequel I've seen, and uh, I couldn't even finish the Jan Silent Bob reboot. I didn't even try <laughs> to watch the Dumb and Dumber two. Uh, yeah, uh, those are it's it's unwatchable. I tried another. I think I tried another legacy sequel. I couldn't even get through it. But yeah, this is probably the best one that they've done, and this is a a nice new formula. Like, hey, try to try to emulate this. You don't have to copy it, but just like think think in terms of Top Gun Maverick if you're going to try to dust off an old franchise like this. Or old yeah, movie I like mean, this. it's it's like one and a half billion at the box office at this point. Um, it's done about as good as a movie can do. So I would not be surprised if attempts will be made to make yet another one of these. Uh, I kind of mm-hmm. don't need that, honestly. But I've heard rumors of a, a Miles Teller movie. No, I'm sorry. We don't want that. Nobody wants that except you. His mom. Mr. Teller. His mom is the only yeah. one that wants it. <laughs> Mrs. Teller. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if we need that. But I wouldn't be surprised if other studios look to this as, you know, something to emulate in the future because this is very much doing it right uh, in a category of film that very often does it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that being said, uh, this has been our review of uh, Joseph Kosinski question marks uh, <laughs> Top Gun Maverick from twenty twenty two. If you'd like to. Uh, catch up on any of our other catching up on cinema content you can do so by navigating to our website at catchinguponcinema.com uh you can also find us on the social medias in the form of the instagram at catching up on cinema as well as the twitter at catching cinema so feel free to hit me up at either of those uh and the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine including bitcade so fucking google it google it that being said, thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. You shut up, bitch!